guys. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's, it's me, it's Travis Walashev. And this is Yours, Mine, and the Truth, the podcast about a revisiting of the texts of my youth and a re-evaluation of their merit with friends, new and old. Boy, it's been a while, guys, and I am really happy to be back here. I want to thank all of you for encouraging me to get back at this. In particular, I want to give a quick shout out to my buddy Tippy, who uh, reminded me um, how much he enjoys things. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, because of circumstances and we don't get to see each other as much, I'm not just talking about Tippy, but all of our friends is kind of the reason why I started doing this. And we are starting to get to see each other a little bit more. But this is there's always going to be people that you don't get to talk to as much and there's always going to be people that man i i you feel like well, i'd like really like to talk to these people again um about this or about that or as we'll see here so once again thank you guys for your encouragement we uh, this is officially season 2 of yours mine and the truth and uh we've got i think i've got a, a solid 8 planned could be more uh, we'll see, but I um, reached out to a few old friends again, and everybody's uh, excited, and uh, I'm excited to start with what we're going to start with today, because it's just, it's necessary. All right, we'll get to it, but before we do that, I do want you, I do want to encourage everyone who's listening to listen to a lot of the other fun shows here on the Plum Podcast Network, including uh, my own uh, that I do with my dear buddy Johnny Hedgepeth Gideon Guys. Gideon Guys is a look at the show DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Johnny's favorite and one that I'm watching for the first time. And we just wrapped up season three with the finale. That, this was a long season, but a, a, a ton of fun. Um, they've all been collected on the, the Palm Podcast Network. If you go to our SoundCloud, you can see the we're up to 53 episodes we've done now, and you can see the playlist if you want to, one that you want to start on or one that you want to go through or check the most recent one. It's up to you. But yeah, so Gideon, guys, I encourage you to check that out. It's been a ton of fun. And the other thing I do with my buddy Johnny is every other Saturday, uh, we go live on twitch.com slash Jarvis Washing Machine for a show we call Mystery Titans Theater. On this show, we are usually, or we are always joined by one other guest, uh, who's a friend, comedian, uh, wrestling aficionado, whatever, to, to join us to watch old wrestling cards, usually from WWF, but we are we're becoming more of our, I mean, we always have been, are open to um, uh, all sorts of different types of old wrestling just for us to, to watch and comment on, and it's always fun and always hilarious. And, you know, Johnny says this on our, on Gideon Guys all the time when talking about it. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, check one out and just see what has been the number one, outside of, you know, my family, and uh, the number one source of uh, just good times and happiness, um, the Mystery Titans Theater. So, like I said, it's live every other Saturday on twitch.com slash Jarvis Washing Machine. However, you can subscribe and see the old shows. I always put them up uh, within the week after after we record on YouTube. Uh, I'd love it if you subscribe there. Look up for youtube.com slash C slash Jarvis Washing Machine, one word, or just look up Mystery Titans Theater and give us a subscribe and a like. Uh, I'd, I'd love it. Uh, it's been really cool to see those numbers going up in terms of subscriptions there. <clears throat> but speaking of numbers going up, 
another reason why why season two is even here you guys is because you keep listening to my old shows and that is crazy to have some of those going up until like the 1500 of you want to listen to me talk about uh certain subjects that is so cool um thank you thanks for listening thanks for continuing to listen even if i haven't been around as much our last show that i did with our buddy brad brad mcneil is still uh, doing great numbers. The 100th Love Balloon. I encourage you guys to go back and look that one up. That was a ton of fun. Um, but today we are going to go off in a different direction. Uh, it's a direction that I've been headed for the last, well, directly to this subject, uh, the last six months of my life. Um, but for the last year and a half, uh, and, and obviously beyond that, I've been playing a ton of of video games. I mentioned this uh, a couple episodes back in uh, season one with uh, when we did our Super Mario Brothers episode. But the game series that I have been playing the absolute most in the in the past six months, I think since February, has been the series Metal Gear Solid. Now, some of you may be familiar with this series. Some of you may not. Um, <laughs> It's something else, and it's kind of taken over my life to some extent, and uh, as I will say here with our guest later today, these are games that merit discussion. Um, I, I think even even people who are kind of lukewarm on the series, and they're, you know, we'll talk about its, its legacy and... and you know, some of the undeniable facts about how important this series was in the history of video games and storytelling in video games and gameplay in video games and all that kind of stuff. It's, um, yeah, it's something that, I'll say it again, merits discussion. And I think that, I think that's an undeniable fact just based on the, the path that's led and the, uh, the series of games and um, other types of entertainment that have been in, inspired by the, this series, uh, from the the great director, the great director, great creator Hideo Kojima, uh, and his works. We are going to look at the first three of the Metal Gear Solid series today. That's Metal Gear Solid One, Metal Gear Solid Two, uh, or pardon me, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid Two, Sons of Liberty, and Metal Gear Solid Three, Snake Eater. And I am thrilled. To be joined by my buddy Peter Krozelka. Uh, this I, I had a feeling this was going to take a while to get through these things uh, and get comfortable, folks. I'm sure you've already seen the the running time on your on your listening devices because this is easily the longest episode we've ever had. But as I said, <laughs> these games I'll say it one more time merit discussion and. Like I said, I've spent the last six months of my life uh, just kind of diving into these things and and really absorbing them and learning more about the lore. And nobody at my house wants to listen to me talk about it. So there's another reason why we had to fire up the old YMT machine is just because I got to get this stuff off my chest. And Peter is a great guest and added a ton of insight. And I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this one. As I said, it's great to, to have you all listening again, and I really hope you enjoy this episode of Yours, Mine, and the Truth as we look at Metal Gear Solid, the first three games. Enjoy.
Welcome back, everybody, to Yours, Mine, and the Truth. It has been a while. This is the season premiere of season two of the, of the podcast, where I look back at the texts of my youth, and this time it's uh, it's getting into not really youth anymore, but but we'll, we'll, I'll explain as we, we get into this. Um, but first, I have to introduce uh, my first guest. I'm super excited to have uh, with me... Uh, a friend who I met through a couple former guests on the show, uh, Zubin Sundar and Kevin McKenzie. We uh, bonded over wrestling prim- primarily. Uh, some other discussions, uh, uh, other current events and things like this. I, I like that you challenged me, Peter. It's kind of one of the reasons why I called you on here. Uh, uh, but mostly uh, just recently, but been more over video games. This is uh, Peter Krozelka, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Hello, thank you very much for having me. Um, I think 1998 still counts as youth. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it should. I would I would like it to. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we do I, that yeah. even just for me? <laughs> I think technically I was I was 20, so so it counts, I think. Um, so so okay, well, well we'll introduce our topic here. We're getting into what has been <laughs> the last 6 months of my goddamn life has been this series, the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, I first played it in 98, uh, which is the, the one we're going to talk about Metal Gear Solid, uh, or the first of the three we're going to talk about today. Um, and I hadn't played it, uh, in years. I mean, I'll, we'll talk about what each ones of these, what each one of these games, uh, what I think about them as we get through them and what I felt them. But the, the initial one in 98 was like uh revelation, uh, kind of like, you know, what we heard from everybody else just because, and I didn't really, there was a, like a long period there when I just wasn't playing video games as much. So, um, uh, for whatever reason, I mean, I think we know the reason over the last year and a half, I've been playing way more video games in my life than I ever have. I think a lot of people have. And, uh, I, I decided to dig back into this, um, series and, uh, I said something about it online and, uh, you, uh, responded and I could tell that, uh, that, you know, a, a bit about a bit. So, uh, before we get into it, let me ask you, first of all, video games in your life, how much have you played? Has it always been around? Is it still there? Is it a huge part of your life? What's the deal? I mean, I would say it's more or less always been around. Um, I am just a, a hair younger than you. So the NES was a staple yep. in my childhood. Um, and yeah, you know, I stuck with the consoles for a long time until about 98, 99, 2000, something like that, where I became more of a PC guy. So Metal Gear was interesting because it was one of the last real console of things that I was very excited for and that I made a point to play, you know, that and the Grand Theft Auto games and things like that, mm-hmm. because I was primarily becoming a, a PC guy and getting really into the the indie boom that was happening around then. But, uh, and I don't want to get ahead of things, but I think Kojima has the indie aesthetic with the big budget power, which is a nice rare thing, uh, yeah. especially in that era of EA and other companies like that, you know, creating these annual bland IPs that weren't even meaning anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, to answer your question, I still play a lot of games. <laughs> I've enjoyed them for a long time and I ebb and flow, but I don't think it's the sort of thing that will stop yep. for me yep. until my hands uh, no longer allow it. Yeah, yeah, I've had my, <laughs> yeah, for sure, me too. And I can tell right now, 
uh, that I'm I'm just going to be like I'm going through a phase right now that I went through with like film and music where I just want to absorb as much as I can um and it's really like this this game or this series uh by as you mentioned uh the, the creator the mad genius Hideo Kojima um has really just like and it's just <laughs> we'll get into it we'll get into it like it's just it's hard not to just get sucked into everything that this nuttiness is well can i tell you how enjoyable it's been over these last few months watching this go from like a oh hey guys i picked up this game it's pretty cool huh <laughs> and watching this rabbit hole just as you free fall into this thing head first it's been great to watch um <laughs> you're not the you're not the only friend of mine who said that <laughs> have you played essentially everything now uh, I've played every I've played every Hideo Kojima Metal Gear Solid game and completed every Hideo Kojima Metal Gear Solid game. I've played Metal Gear, the original MSX. I got to a point where it's like fuck this noise <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and stop. And I haven't played I haven't played Metal Gear Two Solid State, but we'll get into that. But everything else, I've uh, yeah, I've uh, dug in and. And uh, kind of played through. I played a lot of uh, five at the end. Five, it, five was kind of like hard to let go. This is kind of like an exorcism. Uh, to, uh, these, like, I'm having this conversation with you and my buddy uh, next week on uh, uh, four Peace Walker and uh, five um, or V or whatever you want to call it. So, um, yeah, I guess we should. So let's just get into the the timeline of this and how this all the series all kind of came to be. Started in 1987. The original Metal Gear was the one I was talking about. The only I was able to play it because it's on the um, HD collection for the PS3. But I have on the, the PS3 the Metal Gear Solid HD collection. It's it's on that as well as Metal Gear Two, which is uh, no. Is that the the original or yep, the MSX? Original doesn't make sense, but the Japanese or the American? Metal yeah, Gear no, 2. it's it's the one for the MSX, which is a, okay. was an eight bit series that just wasn't available in North America or, or was only in Japan and really limited. There's, of course, a Nintendo version that came out that I, I must have played at some point in my life. I must have played it on the NES. Did you? I did play a little bit yeah. at the time. I got very frustrated very quickly, and I'm sure it's gone now. But yeah. uh, in the early you know, internet review days, I did an article on it. Uh, so I basically played enough to remember the I feel asleep uh, <laughs> typo. That's very yeah. early. And yeah. I mean, having played it again in... No, that's probably 2002 or something like that. Man, it is an unforgiving game yeah. for NES standards. Like even by, you know, ghouls and goblins or whatever, at least there you have a very clear idea of what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. The reach for that game was so far beyond its grasp. It's very impressive. But mm. as someone that finished it, like, is it a good game at the end of the day? The the original MSX one? Yeah. I still haven't finished it. Like I said, I got oh, to okay. uh, I got to a point I, I can tell if I went back and you know figured out a few things, I could mow through it probably in another like two and a half hours of spending my time with it. But that's gonna be a long two and a half hours if I if I that I feel like do I devote that to the like I've been I've been you know, like I said, I'm trying to absorb as much as I can here. And I, I feel like yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the the ending, which, which what we'll say is like the original, this is actually takes place in the year, even though it's 1987, because uh, Hideo Kojima always says uh, he, he sees SF, not just as sci-fi or science fiction, but as speculative fiction. So all of his, when, it, when it's 
when it's stuff that's in the future, it's always in the near future. I like that because then it's like, if he's wrong, it's who the fuck cares? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, cause I kind of feel like that's why like, Hey, this is where it's going to be in 2237. And uh, we're not going to be, you're not going to be around to tell me I'm wrong. You know what I mean? (laughs) I I, I like that, that he's just kind of uh, like, whatever. Um, So, in this one, the original Solid Snake sneaks around, basically. It's your first stealth stealth game and eventually uh, beats Big Boss, in quotation marks. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But which is crazy that that they found a way to wrap the whole thing up to that, uh, being Big Boss, in quotation marks. Um, Next comes Metal Gear Solid 2 Solid Snake, but not until after NES has already put out another Snake's Revenge that I guess Kojima just didn't like, that apparently was a, th- an unofficial sequel. And, you know, all these things are not considered canon. Um, and in this one, uh, also it's also for the MSX, and I've heard that this is great, and I've heard the music is awesome, and I hear really uh, kind of pushes the limits of the MSX. Have you played it at all? No, I've played neither of the uh, yeah. Metal Gear 2s, if yeah. you want to call them that. But anyways, for all of, like, the as, as you'll hear, guys, this is all sorts of... <laughs> you know, tech warfare and like mechas and bipedal weaponry and, and, you know, the industrial, uh, military industrial complex. And, and this finishes with snake killing the big boss with a can of hairspray. That's like how infamously how, how this one ends, which I mean, is kind of like a hint at what the fuck that we're going to get in the, in the, in the, in the years to come. Uh, so before we move on to the actual like first kind of star of the show here, anything else to say about those uh, two games or just what you know about like reputation? I mean, reputationally, I've heard that uh, the official Metal Gear Solid 2 is one of the best sort of more than arcade games, I guess would be the way to put it. I mean, mm-hmm. RPG isn't quite right uh, and it's not quite a simulation, but the sort of game that really pushed the 8-bit systems to their absolute limits. Yeah. Um, I know it got re-released as well on... On that HD collection. The HD collection there, yeah. yeah. So it would be good to go back. Is it uh, remastered at all, or is it just the MSX as it would be? Just the MSX as it would be, but still looks nice. Interesting. It looks like... Uh, we'll talk about how I feel... Like I feel like 8-bit and 16-bit graphics have aged. I talked a bit about this with... Um, our mutual friend Kevin last time or a while back. Um, I feel 8-bit and 16-bit graphics have aged better than that generation of N64 and PlayStation 1. Do you, yeah, you know early I mean? 3D is is very rough. Yeah, and yeah. It's like film from the 1910s where yeah. they just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, but they um, were going for it. Oh, they're yeah, trying. No, hey, you know, <laughs> photography is great, but we got this moving photography. There's yeah. a few kinks to work out, but yeah. trust me, it'll be good one day. Yeah. And I feel that whole generation is in there. And it's uh, really unfortunate for the games that came to prominence in that era mm-hmm. because they have that mm-hmm. huge uh, gap to get mm-hmm. across first. Yeah. And I played and and I finished Super Mario Brothers 64 almost for the first time, just almost out of fucking spite, man. Like to get like 100% on that thing. Because, oh my God, I find the controls and everything like just so like I- enraging. Um, and I've gone back and played Metal Gear Solid. I-, I haven't finished it again since I played it again in 1998. I'm about two thirds of the way through, as we'll explain. Um, 
but I find it way more forgiving and I find the graphics way more uh, like even, of course, the close-ups are Garbaggio and stuff like that. But when they're doing like those little wide establishing things and they're really creating the cinematics, uh, I think that has aged a lot better. But uh, uh, let's dive into it. Metal Gear Solid, 1998, <laughs> comes out for the PlayStation, uh, directed, written, and produced by Hideo Kojima with... The, with uh, you know, uh, Tomokazu Fukushima, I should mention him too as well. Um, uh, so it's 7 million copies, 94 out of 100 on Metacritic, uh, often labeled as one of the most important games of all time. I played it on my brother's play. I never had a PlayStation, but I played it on my, so this was a time when I wasn't playing video games, but uh, I played on my brother's PlayStation over the course of like a visit to Calgary, a week visit to calgary i think and i was just up to like 2 30 in the morning and just like making through it and it was just like what well, it was a revelation man i'd never played anything like this like and we'll talk about uh uh there's a variety of reasons for it but i just i had to finish it before i got back on the plane and came back to uh vancouver i just moved to vancouver in january of that year so i i was still having like kind of more extended stays now if they get five days out of me they're lucky <laughs> <laughs> anyways um uh so you you played it when it first came out yes yep. yeah i uh sony used to have physical brick and mortar stores and i was wandering in one because i thought i'd you know pay twice as much as necessary for a walkman or something yeah and i see this game there and i had probably seen a preview in egm or something like that and just on a whim picked it up and yeah, the revelation is the right word for it. Like, I think I had played Tenchu before, which had similar sort of sneaking around and stealth kill uh, type mechanics, mm -hmm. but no, nothing uh, really going in terms of story. And I feel that the combination of the really rock solid gameplay and this balls to the wall, obviously very auteur driven plot and story is mm -hmm. what makes it so unique um yeah the you can tell that his influences like kajiva's influences are you know one foot very very eastern and one foot very very western mm -hmm. because he blends them and it's not always a very smooth transition nope, nope. you know you have ninja robots and you know all sorts of weird poetry mm -hmm. popping out at the most inopportune times yeah, yeah. but it also ends with two dudes with no shirts on fist fighting <laughs> yeah right it's amazing it's <laughs> all right all right that, well, that's good too. spoilers spoilers i'm yeah. sorry oh my god i'm just getting excited here jesus lord so even though this is coming out 1998 the year is 2005 <laughs> solid snake who's retired from the from the, the guy from these two big uh missions that have already happened in metal gear and metal gear 2 um is infiltrating a nuclear weapons facility at shadow moses in uh alaska a place that really exists and apparently there's just like a tuna packing plant there or something um the opening cinematic here when you just when you first put the disc in or you first start it is still still great even that's what i'm saying even with uh, i know this was, oh it was we should mention it was remade um uh for the gamecube in 2004 uh, metal gear solid the twin snakes i never played it um i've heard it's inferior somehow 
that's highly debatable really if you want to do the twin snakes thing now we can or we can save it for later okay maybe maybe there's a time when you when you can point out something that there's going to be different because i don't really know as much about i just know the the music changes quite a bit is that true uh music i believe is a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, that's not something that stuck out to me immediately okay. uh cut scenes was the big one okay because um, i know that they they did clean it up right and it does look more like the ps2 type graphics right it does yeah. and i think you know the sort of uh, difference between a remake and a remaster is that sort of cleaning up versus making new aesthetic choices and right. twin snakes does a lot of both okay so i feel okay. like it could have been a, a really good remaster um mm-hmm where you just clean everything up and even they added the first person shooting mode from oh, uh, yeah. MGS2 as well. But yeah, the Matrix was big in theaters a couple of years before. Right. So all of the scenes that play out really okay, nicely. Okay. Um, there's one skipping ahead just a little bit where there's uh, someone tied up with a very complicated bomb apparatus. Right. Yep. So I believe the PlayStation version, the conflict that happens there is ended with like a couple quick gunshots or someone ducks out of the way, something like that. It's very sort of Tom Clancy or Jack Bauer, you know, very simple and to the point. You do your yep. two minimal moves. Yeah. The GameCube one involves multiple backflips. And okay. I think they're like okay, catching okay. knives and throwing them back and forth at each okay. other. It's... So getting back, getting into Metal Gear Solid 4 territory with that kind of excess. Yeah, that... it's uh... almost comical, but it's just sign of the times because 04, it, yeah. you know, oh, action sure. films have changed. And I feel film really influences the Metal Gear Solid yeah. games Interesting. quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time. Because I would say the, the right away here, you're seeing like uh, Tony Scott, uh, like Crimson Tide and... Uh, um just that early kind of uh late 80s um um like uh taking a pelham uh, one two three i guess that's more 70s uh, kind of well, thing, but just... I, I always think of the, the tom clancy films yeah the, uh, the harrison ford ones right not yeah. much action but very punchy almost uh, a little bit documentary so you can blend the stock footage and your actors really really well and it feels mm-hmm. very yeah uh, mundanely impressive like yeah. those early scenes with a submarine it's like yeah. oh, this is badass it's this huge submarine there's a guy yeah. getting inside a torpedo yeah but it's being played as if this is just a thing there's a procedure to do this and people mm-hmm. are doing it mm-hmm. and he's done that you know, he's hearing over the codec the uh the colonel campbell who we're going to learn a lot about um i gets past the first bat like so you're sneaking around right away so first yes this revolutionized the stealth genre then that's like as as you know it's one of the big things we say about it but it's like you know one of the fifth or sixth things that i i love about it because like after you sneak around and get past everyone you get into this elevator and he and he and he takes off his uh like bit by bit he takes off his uh like frogman suit until he just like reveals this this guy with this badass headband and it gives you the and it gives you the uh the um the title card of boom metal gear saw with this great music playing and right away you're like okay, this is something different. This is new. This is like fucking diehard all of a sudden. <laughs> and one thing that I'll just quickly mention about that title card, the fact that it always has tactical espionage action as the subtitle of yes. Metal Gear, so you know exactly what you're getting into right away. Oh, touch of genius. Absolutely <laughs> chef's kiss on that. Yeah. Uh, just felt like a new experience. So it's a 2D overhead game that changes view now and again to create the illusion of 3D. Um which is great uh and so 
we get there. The nuke facility has been taken over by Super Soldier, Super Soldier Unit Foxhound. Uh, they're there to use uh, nuclear-capable Mecha Metal Gear Rex, secretly being tested. Foxhound wants to use it against the U.S. government if they do not receive the remains of Big Boss and $1 billion. Um, Snake sneaks through some vents and meets the first hostage, uh, DARPA chief Donald Anderson. So I want to say, so DARPA is a real uh, uh, place. Oh, and so it's an organization. Organization, pardon me. Um, I can't remember what it stands for off the top of my head. There's so many acronyms in this uh, thing. And when I'm talking about people and trying to explain it to... Sorry, I just quickly looked it up here. Yeah. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Yeah. Um, so sometimes this is like historical fiction, but uh, mixed in with uh, completely fantastical <laughs> nonsense. Um, uh, um, but but somehow uh, walks that line. Um, and this is like the first kind of thing where I saw like I see something. Okay, this is a real thing. Um, Chief Donald Anderson gives him a detonation code for Rex's. Uh, for Rex, and he has a heart attack, and it's really funny, especially on the PS graphics, the first of the really weird-looking funny uh, heart attacks. And here we learn in the cell next door to this guy is Meryl Silverberg, who is the niece of uh, Colonel Campbell. And she's like the... What do we compare her to um, of the time? Um, she's kind of Laura Croft before Laura Croft, but, but more... Um, uh, I mean, almost like total a, espionage action. <laughs> yeah, like I almost want to say, like a sexy Ripley or something like that. There because we go. She's she doesn't start off really skilled. Like she's a soldier, yeah, but she's not. You know, I, I believe she's a rookie and she doesn't have uh, any experience. This is her first gig or something like that. Mm -hmm. So she sort of has to be brought up to speed to become this tactical espionage actor. Right, right. And knows um, that, wow, you're the legend, solid snake. Like, uh, Yeah, so yeah. maybe like even a little bit of Sarah Connor um, ah, transitioning from the, the waitress to the badass. Very good. Very Although, good. again, with the waitress being a regular soldier in yeah. the, the logic of this, being a regular soldier is essentially being a waitress. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, not, you know, uh, and so that's Sarah Connor. We should mention uh, James Cameron among out of all of his games, maybe the biggest influence uh, uh, in terms of American filmmakers. Uh, I don't know uh, uh, more and more as we as we go on. Like I think like there, there's one right. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think we'll it's going to pop up again and again and again. That real schmaltzy kind of abyss uh, end of the thing, right? <laughs> that's all over his games. Uh, well, that's uh, another, I mean, that's the, the three-peat of Michael Bean there, right? Because he's on the cover of Metal Gear 1. You got the Abyss stuff and just James Cameron in general ripping off Terminator. Right. Um, yeah. He's, yeah. He's all over it. He's, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Snake finds another hostage uh, after Meryl's helped him escape. It's Kenneth Baker and the Arms Tech president. Arms Tech, I don't think, is a real organization. I don't uh, know fiction. But, but he's wired to bombs. That's what, what you were talking about. And enter... Metal Gear Solid, I've learned just beloved character, Revolver Ocelot. Um, brief so intro. You learned that he's beloved. Did yeah. you not oh, see him oh, in yeah. one second oh, say, oh, oh obviously, of this course. is the guy? <laughs> especially by especially by three, right? Well, yeah, once you get the uh, the sound effects, but yeah. we'll move on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, brief like uh, description, older real life 
version of Yosemite Sam. Um, uh, that's what you first see, and he's, he uses revolvers. That's what he fights with, it. and even in spite of all this advanced weaponry, uh, we'll learn more about him as we go on. But this is the first boss fight, uh, which is interrupted by the cyborg ninja, who cuts off Revolver, Revolver Ocelot's hand right right away here. This is after the first time we've met Revolver Ocelot, and he loses a hand. And this will end up being important. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it was important at the time or not. <laughs> who knows? It's so weird. Exactly. Who knows? Um, anyways, uh, Baker briefs Snake on the secret Metal Gear project. Gives him a card that might stop the launch, and he also has a funny heart attack. Um, and here's uh, here's where the first uh, thing where it's kind of like this is a little different, aside from the really unique gameplay and the cinematics, and you know uh, the sneaking around. Um, you are you're asked to contact Miral over Codec, <clears throat> and how do they tell you? Can you remember how they tell you to find out? where where uh her number or how to find what her number is on the dial yeah if this is the one i'm thinking of this is the first of several uh really out of the box moments yeah where you're never told what the codec code is and the codec is a frequency so it's like 180.35 or something yep. you just need to know that um but yeah if you look at the back cover of the box one of the screenshots will be of you speaking to this person with the frequency visible. Yeah. yeah so yeah. without that, and uh, I mean, I don't know if this was a copy protection thing or where it came from. Yeah. It sort of feels like those old yeah. copy protection things from early PC games. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Uh, hey, mixed in there. Yeah. Oh man, there was. Some it is great a very ones. interesting move. Yeah. Yeah. I just and but also it was just kind of like wait a second. Nobody. They don't usually ask you to to do something like this right so it's like because it's something like check the back of the of the cd case like like i think campbell says that out loud um and and uh there it is uh so it's like oh well, okay. that's that's one thing that i thought was really really interesting about this uh series and i don't know when we'll bring it up so i'm just gonna interrupt and bring it up now go ahead but the codec system essentially allows you to speak to any character that you've met via codec at any point in the game and more often than not they'll be out of range or somehow incommunicado. But if you're stuck somewhere, you can just start calling people for help. Yeah. And if you can make contact with someone, eventually they'll say, yeah, like here's yeah. exactly what you need to do yeah. if you're yeah. a real dummy. Yeah. But they start with little clues in yeah. the character and yes. eventually tell you, look at the back of the CD case. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just a wonderful way to make puzzles that can be difficult and challenging without punishing the players and making them big stuck. time, big time. And just so like, as you said, first outside of the box uh, thing that of, of more to come. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so Meryl tells Snake to find Dr. Hal Otacon Emmerich. Uh, again, another... <laughs> more polarizing character within that. actually Hal's beloved it's his dad that everybody kind of fucking hates as we'll learn more about but Hal's also kind of he's not he's not like he is what he is because here's a, here's another uh first uh one of the uh, Kojima staples when we first meet Hal Otacon or Hal uh Otacon Emmerich they open up the uh they opened up he's hiding in a locker and he pees his pants and he pees on the floor and that's PJ number one from mr kojima there will be more um <laughs> on the way uh uh so snake sets uh he gets an anonymous tip about vulcan raven and fights a tank so that's the first time it's like you against uh some sort of like big 
thing, which again becomes a uh, a trope in some and more games than others. Uh, Peace Walker for sure. Um, but it's always there, right? You always have to. It's always a dude against a, a helicopter or a tank or a Harrier or whatever. Well, given um, the way most of these games end with you versus a massive mech, it's important to, to build yeah, up to yeah, that, Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Uh, so... Uh, he finds Otacon, uh, Cyborg Ninja reappears, and it's actually, he finds out it's actually his former partner, Gray Fox, believed dead. Somebody who was involved in the original Metal Gear. Like, that was like the first Metal Gear. I think that's who you're saving. Um, I think you end up fighting him in Metal Gear 2. It's possible. I can't remember exactly, but I know they've got a history. Um, he challenges, uh, challenging boss fight. Um, super memorable. It's really good. Um... Uh, you can't shoot at him. You have to. Uh, you have to punch. So it's the first time you're having to use that kind of gameplay mechanics. It's it's not as frustrating as you'd think to go back and play it. Um, like I said, I, I like. I, I spite finished Mario sixty four. I will finish this because I want to see how all these um, you know, cutscenes hold up and how from what I could remember, um, and the gameplay, of course. Uh, so Otacon uh, learns what they are going to do with Rex, and he agrees to help Snake. Snake meets up with Mural and, uh, and gets uh, another card to like kind of get around to the next batch of levels. But Mural gets, here's all of a sudden, Mural gets possessed by Psycho Mantis, a new, uh, new kind of creepy supervillain. And again, uh, a, a crazy boss fight, and again crazy outside of the box uh stuff uh why don't you explain that well okay psycho mantis this character is a kind of floaty kind of wears a gas mask kind of uh master of the mystic arts i don't know has some sort yeah i mean he's got some sort of mind powers yeah or something um, and telekinesis yeah yeah is this the first bit of supernatural because i know that raven has some sort of connection to literal ravens right sort of speak to them right um but this is very clearly yeah superpowers right right after like the first time right yeah right with the cyber ninja stuff you could pass off on like crazy great tech but this is uh this is something that i just can't explain which is interesting given the like hard nosed reality that also exists where they're discussing the, you know, subtle differences in this grenade launcher versus that one, right, you right. know, using the genes almanacs to actually f find out right. the precise details. Yes. And Fuck the nuances. We'll throw in magic people. Yes. And then um, the nuances between these nuclear superpowers and the way they're yeah. taking on. <laughs> Well, and that's yeah. what makes him such a special, special man is yeah. that some of these details are super important and cannot be changed. Others, fuck it. He can fly. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do you want to explain uh, why sure. this this, uh, this boss fight stood out? And people still talk about it. It's, it's, a, it's a meme now, right? Like everybody. I mean, it's absolutely a first. Um, I've never heard of anything like this before. And I'm sure people have copied it since. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's In the one kind form of trick. Or another. Yeah, it's, it's the trick that is really only shocking the first time you have it happen. Right. Um, and so what happens is you enter this room, and it's a like a nice library with you right. and Psycho Mantis there. And I believe Meryl has been knocked out at this point. You have to knock her out so she doesn't shoot herself. Right. Yep. So yep. she's under Psycho's control, but you can't kill her. So mm -hmm. you're knocking her out. You're trying to get to Psycho. But he's predicting all of your moves, blocking absolutely everything, no matter what you do. Because I can read your mind. <laughs> he reads your mind. He's a step ahead. Yeah. And he starts taunting you, and on and on it goes. And the solution is to 
grab the second player's controller and mm -hmm. use that yeah. because he is reading your mind, which is player one's controller. Right. So player two is completely immune yeah. and you can beat him up and all of a sudden he starts freaking out. Yeah. I can't read your mind. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. I mean, it's you get really it, interesting. It, it's crazy, right? You do get it from, again, from doing the codex, but also he does give you a bit of a hint again by telling you what's on your memory card. Yes, yes, which is like, really interesting that yeah, there's the a time, lot of special lines for specific games. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I know Castlevania specifically, like all of the Konami games for sure. Mm -hmm. And also the frequency and volume of your saves. He would try and psychoanalyze you and say, oh, you're reckless because, you know, you haven't saved much. Right. Or, oh, you're a cautious boy, aren't you? Yeah. You're saving all the time, <laughs> which I think is really really cute yeah. and uh, a wonderful bit of character hilarious and again like i'm 20 years old playing this at 1 30 in the morning it's after <laughs> it's after he's 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 told you here put put the first the first thing he does is he tells you hey put your controller on the ground watch this just makes it move to the right you're like what the fuck was that <laughs> And then, and then he, and then he does these two other things. And the only way you can beat him is to use the player two controller. Um, it's crazy, crazy idea. Um, and as Psycho Mantis dies, uh, he says Snake has a large place in his, uh, or he has a large place in Meryl's heart. After cinematic, um, Sniper Wolf shows up, a new member of the uh, Foxhound group, and wounds Meryl. So you got to go all the way back and get a sniper rifle. Um, uh, this is a tough boss fight, but satisfying victory when you do. Uh, but right after it happens, you're taken in for another a really well-known scene, memorable scene. It's just like these things are coming like one right after the other. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you're skipping over all that backtracking. I mean, oh, you mentioned that it happened. Oh, I know. But oh, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. in terms of actual playing the game, yeah. that is a solid chunk. And in my mind, the one piece of questionable pacing even big time i agree um, it, it's a bit of a drag it, it drags but it does separate these memorable bits so it's yeah. not like you're going through a boss mm -hmm. rush or anything like that and especially because and especially because it's not because like like you got to a certain point and then i gotta go all the way back it's like no 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 in order to get back here you gotta go there and get all the way back it's a big part of the story because there's another thing that happens later where like oh i can't believe i fucked that up now i have to go all the way back to this mm -hmm. uh thing which happens but anyway so <laughs> you come to um <laughs> after you've been kind of uh, taken prisoner and it's a torture seat again here you are shirtless <laughs> shirtless hey, in, in yeah. that uh 64 bit uh, glory and uh liquid snake is revealed so he's like you're he hasn't really i don't know if they get too much into the project yet you hear more about it later when it gets to that total because he uh kojima also loves the uh uh, James Bond reveal your master plan at the end and it is like a master master plan because it goes on for like 10 minutes with like yeah, it's, scenes <laughs> it's substantial yeah yeah um and so for this torture scene it's just uh it, oh it, it's really good and it introduces the scene the themes of um trusting your leader um because after this torture the torture scene all you're doing is just like pounding away on a thing to survive and yeah, you're uh, being shocked, I believe, and you have yeah. to mash to sort of yeah, maintain you just, your willpower and not pass out. Yeah, I called my daughter and said, watch this. <laughs> she's, she's like, come on, come on, cheering me on. It's <laughs> um, and so you wake up in a, uh, a cell, and you're first you're trying to figure out how to get out. And again, here's another kind of shiver up the spine kind of moment, is on your Kodak, you've got this girl, Naomi, who is your... Um, uh, she's like scientist slash slash medic slash works with, uh, you know, um, whoever, 
Colonel Campbell, right? They're on the same codec, I believe. But she asks that you put your controller against your arm and you do it. And again, it feels like a little, like a little thing. And you put it physically against your arm. And, um, uh, you know, at the time you don't think much of it, <laughs> but, uh, but that's like, it's just, okay, this will make you feel better. And, um, so whatever you're kind of come to in your in your cell and you see there's a darpa guy's dead body in the cell that you had seen before who had the funny heart attack but for some reason it's decomposing so that's kind of weird like he's like covered in maggots and stuff or the the yeah because the the whole game takes place over 12 hours or something like that it's a very constrained timeline yeah um and uh so there's a a really good con a codec convo here between the two uh between i think it's naomi and him yeah they have a serious heart to heart about how he killed his dad in quotes big boss um and uh, this is where you start to get some of that really melodramatic um like i said james cameron kind of dialogue um um but and uh it doesn't quite he doesn't quite say the big line yet but it's it's coming soon um, but again, this is really setting the tone for like sprinkling that in that kind of thing, which it's a necessary part of the gumbo. It really is. Uh, even if it is, uh, like, uh, cringy, cause he really wants to hammer home these themes of just these really anti-war and how much it's just fucking up everybody. Um, and he has that's a different thing. Sorry. Right? Uh, that's just the thing with auteurs, you know, you take the good and the bad. And yep. if you remove any piece, it ruins it. So, right. You know, you have to ex- accept that Quentin Tarantino is going to have long shots of people's feet. Exactly. And that Kojima is going to have long, weird rambles that are a little yep. out of place. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Otacon shows up, uh, in his, uh, stealthy, uh, camo that he's got. And he talks about protecting Sniper Wolf's dogs. He's like, really gay. Come on. Like, he's kind of got like, is she okay? Like, he's kind of talking about this is weird. He's like, you kind of, you kind of like us. We should talk about, oh my God, we should talk about the voice acting yes. in this David Hayter as, as snake. I can't believe it's taken this long. Cause that's a huge, uh, part of the revelation here is this this voice acting uh, from again the guy who plays Snake and uh, a bunch of others who we'll mention along the way. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I mean, I guess we'll talk more about it when their their great moments come. But um, so Otacon, um oh, oh yeah. So he tells he tells him, okay, I know how you got you, you got to get out. This is here. It is another. I guess we can't say this is pee joke number one because it's not the same, but this is another trope is uh, you have to go because the guard kind of says it out loud that he has diarrhea. And diarrhea will also become a common joke. And I think even this character, I think this is Johnny, I can't remember what his name is, his last name, but he becomes less of a little forgotten thing in the background and becomes pretty prominent later. Uh, Um, While it is... You know, the humble beginnings of the diarrhea joke aside, I feel that it really blossoms into something as the games go on. The idea of making someone need to go to the bathroom right this second is a great for guard distraction. Yes. And it starts to really, really play out in satisfying ways. Yeah, so yeah. it's nice to see it blossom from this dumb little joke into something yeah. that's really an elegant part of gameplay. Yeah. Uh, you make your way up the side of the building, uh, kind of repelling uh, fighting liquid who is now in a helicopter 
Um, again, I'm got, here's where I, like, this is about where I've played up to, so it, uh, things might, pace might pick up here a bit, and tell me if you feel like I'm skipping over anything. You emerge onto a snowfield and fight Sniper Wolf again, you kill her. But here, I remember this, I made sure to watch this, because this is Otacon Breakdown, number one. Because, <laughs> like, he it's loved... Like he had a big crush, man. Yeah, he, he, had a, he had a thing for her, and he's upset. And this is where we, hit the, like you had said, that you believe that love could bloom on a battlefield. Which is, that's the, um, you know, that's the Kojima line in a nutshell. You take the, the, there's a sincerity to that, but it is pretty uh, Hallmark card, right? <laughs> it's amazing that he hammers that line in particular home, because they say it three or four times. Yeah, like, it's it, really, really in there through yeah. codec conversations and different characters and stuff. Yep. And it doesn't um, say anything about love or battlefields. It's just this weird open-ended question that's just sort of... <laughs> thrown out there with any yeah. without anything to back it up and i mean what i love you? kojima and that's yeah. his deal yeah what do you the viewer at home think that's what it is yeah i suppose <laughs> um you continue into the hangar boss fight with vulcan raven so this guy looks like um uh, like uh batista like early early mid 2000s batista yeah, leviathan era yeah can control the uh yeah can control uh ravens and he's like fighting on a tank i remember this being really challenging um but uh right after he defeats him he says that anderson that so the reason why this guy's body was decomposing is because the guy you saw a heart attack or heart attack was not really him it was actually decoy octopus another member of the fox sound here's Can where I quickly jump in on the end of that boss fight there because yeah. it is another one of those amazing moments is uh so the deal with the tank is you have to throw grenades into the hatch Right. You can't fight him directly and you're always hiding behind things and chucking these little grenades and all of that. And when you finally kill him, uh, all the ravens come in into the, mm -hmm. the tank, consume the body in its entirety and then just fly away. Right. And you're left right. with, because he has this big Vulcan cannon of a gun. So it's just the gun is sitting there and the tank. Yeah. And the body is just gone, spirited away by these animals that have yeah. been his lifeline the whole time. Yeah, so that's a right. That's really, right. really cool scene and something that I think is unironically beautiful yeah. next to the super cheesy lines. Right, right. Uh, that, there you go. That's a bit of uh, that John Woo 80s. We should have been mentioning uh, him, yes. too, right? Because um, that's all over this, uh, uh, especially this one. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay, infiltrates the hangar uh some more and he hears uh liquid and ocelot preparing the rex launch uh solid uses uh the pal card and accidentally activates rex and so here's what we should reveal we should mention there's somebody on the on the um on the uh codec uh master miller kazuhira miller who again a guy who is you know, feels like he's somebody who's part of your um, thing, but then ends up that it, that it, he's part of your squad. But again, this is a reveal that Liquid has been talking to you the whole time. So everything you've been doing, he's actually been him. Um, I guess this is that the, they. This is right after they murdered him. I'm guessing because because he does get murdered, Kazuhira Miller. You see that uh, later in in different things. But I I assume this is probably. Maybe Snake wouldn't have known that he had been murdered at this point. Presumably, you know what I mean? Probably. Like, I don't, I, yeah. it's a little light on the story in right. terms of whether Snake knows all these people intimately first. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, or if it's a team that's sort of assembled around him and, hey, you know, you hop in this torpedo and here's a Kodak and we'll talk to you. All right. Right. Well, because, anyways, because this character ends up 
being a, a, a pretty rich character from uh, Peace Walker and uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, V Phantom Pain and uh, Ground Zeroes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, um, but anyway, so it ends up he's, you know, Snake's been getting played this whole time from one member of the, the codec. Um, uh, so this is, again, like a huge shock like a big plot twist uh, at the end of this film that we've been watching and playing um so he here's where he reveals his evil plan he's been as we said impersonating miller foxhound has been using snake to get rex going they've been using in this whole thing just because they know that you're going to be the one who's going to be able to activate this thing and and there's where he starts to talk about he and snake are part of the les, uh, les enfants terribles project which, dude, I've been listening to so many um, Metal Gear podcasts. I'll, I'll give shout outs to them in the intro and closing here. But a lot of them are from the States. And boy, do they butcher mm. this. <laughs> but so it's a project from 1970s government project that was to clone Big Boss. So I believe is like Snake was referring to Big Boss as his dad. Is this where he realizes that he is actually just a clone of his dad? And presumably like you definitely realize the twin and the sort of like a uh I, what is the film oh twins is the name of the movie where all the good genes go into the one brother and all the bad ones go right. to the other because you have liquid right. with his long blonde hair and then solid with the short brown hair and i i think they do eyes that are different mm -hmm. colors and all that sort of stuff as well so right they are the same but different right um in terms of big boss I don't know if it's, I mean, I, I, it's been a long time for me, so I don't know I if know, it's, you I know. know, completely established I know. I, clearly I really that it's like kinda... father and then two sons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or as, or so, so as we might yes. think at this point. Yes. Um, um, so Snake also has been injected with Fox dye. That's where we learned that, that, Hey, remember when Naomi put that thing on your arm? You, you just got injected with something, pal. <laughs> Thanks for playing PlayStation. Um, uh, a virus that will kill him um a boss fight then you have a boss fight with rex here's your your big uh first big boss fight with the the mecha the, the metal gear the name of the goddamn game um and here gray fox comes back triumphantly cyborg ninja out of nowhere sacrifices himself he takes out the kind of like science world looking thing <laughs> on top of the, the the sphere biome whatever you call them um and um you know, he, I remember he has a big, long speech about, uh, again, something that will be th uh, important themes later about everyone playing parts and mm -hmm. things like this, if memory serves. I wish, again, I wish I could have um, uh, played through this part again. But, again, super memorable. But this allows uh, you to finish off the boss fight with Rex. And then, as you said, uh, uh, finishes with, like, the after all of this... After all of this, like, like, and it's similar to kind of what uh, we said with Metal Gear Two. It finishes with gets him with hairspray and a, and a lighter, right? And and now it's just down to two dudes with their shirts off and a fist fight. Uh, these two brothers, um, and on the head of the burning mech, on the head of the burning uh, uh, Metal Gear. Um, and I remember thinking at this point again, like this is like okay, I, I, it's probably like. 1.30 now and I should be getting to bed. I'm like, but I got to finish this now, right? I've got to play out yeah. the rest of this thinking this must be the end. It'll be another 10 minutes. Little did I know. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> little did I know. Um, uh, so, but it, but it feels like it's it's so great. And but then, like you end up punching him off, and uh, I guess at some point Campbell is called in a nuclear strike because they've got to take all this out of there. And they're like, what? Uh, they're freaking out. But then it's Meryl, and apparently it was, it was Meryl for me, but it, it could be Otacon because if you, I guess if you surrender in the torture scene, um, then it's Otacon for some reason or another. If you ever, uh, I, I guess it changes the end. I don't know. I don't know uh, why that is, but I, I was just reading that earlier today. Um, Interesting. But, I've never had the non-Meryl ending. Yeah, but uh, so she huh. drives away with you. Uh, out of a tunnel at top speed on a jeep but you're being chased um so you got the guys gotta get out of there because nuclear strikes happen but you're also being chased uh by liquid and you're just in the back just like firing off uh shooting back at him and at this point man this is just endorphins just like dopamine i don't know whatever whatever you're supposed to be feeling you're just feeling it like it is such <laughs> It is so like he. It almost feels like he didn't have to do this at the end of this game. He absolutely he, didn't. But he did, and it is such a blast. It is such a great finish, and it's just like high action. Um, and it all builds up to uh, this crash out into the um, out into the. You're just on top of a mountain because remember you're in Aust or Africa, Jesus, Alaska, um, and. and Liquid pulls out a gun and he's about to to finally try to put you away, but he has a hilarious heart attack and dies from the fox die. Um, and luckily, we were able to get Campbell, or I guess Meryl's able to convince Carol or Campbell to call off the strike because he's her niece, even though they've had some rocky patches, which is another big a lot of these interpersonal relationships that we really again. It's a over. very soap opera type scenario where you have 10 <laughs> characters and you need to keep interlocking them in different ways over yeah. and over again, over decades, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so and so Campbell calls off the strike and he says, okay, well, Snake, you'll be considered uh, killed in action. That's what we'll tell her. That'll be the official story. And they, But Naomi comes on again and says, hey, sorry, sorry about that, but uh, the injection, it's only a certain, uh, amount, a certain, only a certain amount of time before you die. Um, you know, they mentioned, uh, something like, so it, and it gets, again, it, but it does fill you with that. Here's where you get that abyss. I again, remember just, we will live again tomorrow. And I guess love can bloom on a, a battlefield and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it, and again, like I remember even in 98, even when I was, like, we'll say it, a youth, I was, <laughs> I, I could tell it was, uh, cheesy, but I was so along for the ride and and i felt at this point you do whatever whatever you need to do on your way out here sir <laughs> is there anything i can do to help you um, well, that's the thing with melodrama i mean it's so corny and yeah. so over the top but when done you know the right way for lack of a better word it's effective and you're on for the ride mm -hmm. and i think kojima is a knife edge obviously it's easy to slip one way or the other yep but you can get and i totally for. understand why people be like fuck that yeah. <laughs> like oh, for sure for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, we should mention as we as we kind of this again this is another trope for all of his games um because there's six official metal gear solid games that he's on there's always a post credits uh sequence where the title comes up and you just hear uh either one side of a phone call or or or, or somebody doing a speech or whatever but on uh, this one it's ocelot and we learn that he's a double agent whose mission it was to to steal uh, Baker's disc of the Metal Gear uh, specifications so he could deliver it to 
Mr. President. That's the last thing he says. It's like, dun, dun, dun. so again, like super Great reading. Super, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, um, uh, yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, that was amazing. Um, and yeah, it was. Um, like, as we said, like, we still see it. I still see it recognized as one of the most important games ever made. Um, and it got people into this, like this series was suddenly, um, like among the, the more important IPs, uh, at that time. Right. Well, and it helped spring IPs that were almost as important too. I mean, without this, I don't think you have much of a splinter cell. I don't think you have much of a, uh, uh, siphon filter although mm-hmm. i think the first one might have come out before but yep. I, I feel like yep. it really helped push this tactical spy game that mm-hmm. was huge for maybe 10 years after yeah those early 2000s are full of those yeah yeah i know splinter cell for sure again i, I remember playing a little bit of one of them for gamecube way back when but never really dug into it but i know that that is often credited as being like the direct um you know stepchild or kind of taking the ball and running with it at, at times in terms of that gameplay and design mm-hmm. i also know i've i I played through the first uncharted and uh you can feel a bit of like even though it's not he's not sneaking around it's more shooting and everything there's still a lot of kind of okay how the fuck do i get out of here what do i have to do to kind of and and some of the the gameplay movement i can see a bit of it there um but yeah um it's like i said it, it felt big at the time and I, I don't know why it took me so long to go back to Metal Gear Solid 2, because who would think? Like, okay, well, that's, that was that. That was interesting. They can't really, can't really do anything that f- fucked up again, could they? No, I mean, it's probably going to be more of the same, right? Yeah. Like any old yeah. sequel. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's more of a DLC pack than anything. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. Metal Gear Solid 2. Sons of Liberty. Uh, released November 13th, 2001. That date is significant for the PlayStation so. 2, um, which is a big tech boost. Um, also on, uh, I guess it, comes out, it came out originally on Xbox or PlayStation 2, but also was it out originally on Xbox and Windows I'm seeing it here or did it just show up there eventually? I think those are later ports. My yeah. understanding was it was a PS2 exclusive until maybe when subsistence came out or right. substance or whatever the right the other second version was yeah other version yeah um so uh, 96 out of 100 on metacritic sold 7 million copies uh the best selling of the series interesting um uh it's called the first just to hint at where we're about to go here the first postmodern video game <laughs> um it uh yeah it's okay so we should talk about a lot of stuff was removed because of September 11th. Um, no American flags, like all American flags were taken out of it, I guess. Um, there's a part or s- certain parts where uh, we'll get to it. Um, but there was a lot of stuff. Can you remember some other specifics that were had to be removed? Uh, the one that I was looking up earlier was uh, the Statue of Liberty is to use the article's phrase displaced. That's and right. Moved to a different part of New York City uh, where in the fiction of the game remains semi-permanently. Oh man. Uh, and it was actually originally going to be called uh, just Metal Gear 3. It wasn't going to be a Metal Gear Solid. And the three was going to be the New York City skyline right. with, I guess, presumably the Twin Towers and Empire State. 
yes. because of the way the game ends. Right. But oh, man. being when it did, they changed the logo right. and the title yeah. of the game. Yeah, I remember seeing some of those like early um, like proposals for press uh, kind of thing. Or I've seen them recently since mm. I dove into this this crazy, crazy culture. That is still very strong. That's the thing I should mention too. Oh my God, Metal Gear Solid fandom is still uh, very beloved. I, I recommended that, that one podcast to you, that Shadow Moses uh, Cafe. I don't know if you got to listen to it or not, but I thought they did a great job. And I've listened to a couple others again of... I, I, I mentioned them. Some are better than others, and some have uh, different parts where they uh, shine in different areas. But uh, my God, like this is a well, Kojima in general just has still has a very rabid fan base. Um, well, again, and, I feel he's one of the few guys in AAA gaming that can really say, "Hey, I'm going to do this weird thing because it's what I want to do." Mm-hmm. I think there's a small handful of them, and yeah. once they have a failure or two, they're usually kicked aside, right? Right. So to have a guy like Kojima who's still doing it, yep. and yep. you know, despite failures in a million air quotes, if you want to call them that, right, right, he's still yeah. doing really interesting, good yeah. work, and seems yeah. to have the enthusiasm for it, which is really nice to see. Yeah, big time. Um, so okay, this comes out 2001. Of course, the story begins in 2007. In, mm-hmm. the, in the MGS verse, I guess. Has anyone called it that? And all this, looking at all these things, I don't, no one's given it a kind of, they call it canon, they call it their chrono- chronology or whatever. But um, anyways, we meet uh, Solid Snake uh, uh, once more. Um, in a... Sorry, uh, just a, instead of doing the story immediately, can we quickly discuss the Zone of the Enders thing? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, of course. I think that matters when we're talking about the story of the game. Great, great. Yes. Um, okay. So, yeah. Zone of the Metal Gear Solid 1, huge hit as described. Uh, everyone is salivating for two and a half years. And then Zone of the Enders comes out with a demo. And the demo is Metal Gear Solid 2. Here you go. Uh, I think Zone of the Enders sold insane amounts just so people could get that <laughs> yeah. demo yeah um, i i bought the i've i've bought the zone of the enders hd collection i found it uh for, for fairly cheap um and that just has a metal gear uh rising revengeance demo on it which is <laughs> not the same it's not the same <laughs> cute that they're still keeping that going though yeah, yeah. um and yeah the entire yeah, this was a big deal i think it was the entire first chapter was the demo or at least part of the first chapter was mm-hmm. the demo I, with yeah. uh well, snake you... hopping from the bridge to the oil tanker right right but yeah. it set people's expectations of what the game would look and feel like uh who was going mm-hmm. to be in it mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where it was going to be taking place um yep. Yep. yeah the stuff imp- that i remember in all those previews uh, was the environmental storytelling being a huge thing i remember a big deal being about shooting a bucket of champagne like a champagne in a bucket of ice yeah and if you sat there and watched it the ice would melt the ice would melt people got excited about that yeah, yeah. people got very excited about that um <laughs> and i feel there was a lot of things like that in this game you know shooting yep. out of lights um, throwing empty magazines to make noises all these little things that even more so than the first game in terms of mechanical changes have really mm-hmm. i mean look at metal gear 5 now i mean yeah 20 years later they're still using all of these little tactics because they work so well um yep. and the computing horsepower is there to make it easier to right 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 but a level of immersion we hadn't seen before but yeah people were playing 
this little chunk of a level for I think two months before the game dropped. Mm -hmm. Getting very used to the idea of playing that game. Yep, um, and and yeah, so the, yeah, the, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's hype. There is big hype, hype. and Huge. there are and there's uh, advertisement um, with Solid Snake looking badass on the cover of these things, like the same hero, but it's like again next gen, so it's a big uh, tech boost and things mm -hmm. are looking nicer. Um, and oftentimes, too, when you have hype like this, you're bringing in people that were never involved or not involved with, but never played the first game, aren't aware of the character, just know, oh, this first game is supposed to be good, and there's a new one coming out, and it looks really great. Yep. So to hit them with the postmodern sledgehammer at that point is yep. a interesting and very ballsy move. Incredible. Um, and that's why it's just like, I guess, like, that shows you how much, well, it shows you a lot of things, that this is the best-selling game of the series, like it's hype, but it's also because this was not, as we're going to say, polarizing when this came out because of what happens. Yeah. And I don't uh, think those are word of mouth sales, though. I think it sold well off the back of the first game. Yeah. And you look at the third, which I mean, is considered the best of the series by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It didn't sell that well because nope. I think the second one was polarizing. Right. So a lot of people right. fell off. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go yeah. <laughs> story. Began. Back to the story. My apologies. <laughs> no, 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 we needed that. It is important. That context is important. The story begins in 2007. We meet solid snake once more. Uh, we learned that he's now part of an anti-metal gear, uh, NGO called philanthropy with autocon. And they hear there's a new version of the metal gear, uh, our new metal gear called Ray aboard this tanker. So it starts with this killer opening sequence where he uh again puts on like the, the, the uh, he dives off the the george washington bridge in some super cool stealth camo and just lands uh on this tanker thing and like a total bungee ass it's the same camo the Otacon has in the first one is it that's not? right that's right yes. correct amundo so we're seeing the, the, the stuff from before uh and this begins the tanker incident um um so snake boards the uss discovery Sees, uh, as soon as he gets there, he sees a bunch of Russian mercenaries, including Olga Gerlukovich, um, uh, who we'll learn a bit more about. Um, and, and you see, they kill some, right away, they kill some of the Marines on board. Um, so Snake is snooping around, learns some stuff, uh, gets in the first boss fight with uh, Olga. Oh, I should mention, important, she's pregnant. Um, uh, and so in this boss fight and this again feels just like right at this point it just feels like ah uh, through all that because i again i'm skipping over a lot of stuff where you're doing some good stealth stuff and figuring things out and seeing those bars and the glasses and finding the lockers with the the pictures of hot japanese ladies in them and things like this the level um, of detail is incredible on yep. this tanker yep. yeah um and it's and it's all feeling like especially and then it gets to this this first boss fight if it, it feels like okay this feels like yep a, a step up from what i was doing uh in 98 and it feels like you know it does feel similar it does feel like a lot of kind of the same thing as what i was doing before but it, it feels great um uh so he he eventually so oh, okay so a, a drone camera for the united states he, oh he tranquilizes olga uh, he doesn't kill her he just tranquilizes her a drone camera for the United States Army gets a picture of Snake. That ends up being important. Snake eventually gets uh, to the hold on the ship where Metal Gear Ray is, and he has to. You got to sneak around and take pictures uh, and upload for uh, Otacon. Um, 
And so this is as oh, there's a big speech going on. This is a really funny scene actually, where this uh, uh, the, the the main like marine commandant is giving this long speech, and it's all timed. Like you're supposed to go and get these different shots of this of this uh, of this Metal Gear from different angles, right? That's what you have to do and upload them for Autocon. Uh, but you gotta you can't be seen by all the the, the the marines there watching this presentation and it gets to a point it's like we need to do some stretches everybody look to the left look to the right look up so that gives you a chance to like kind of sneak by that scene is wonderful and i believe it was used in a bunch of the trailers because yeah uh, something we haven't mentioned yet is the little question mark and exclamation point when oh, a guard yeah. is whenever looking you're for spotted. you versus yep, whenever when you're, you're spotted. Yep. And that sound, if you've seen a meme on the internet yep. ever, you've heard the noise mm -hmm. of when a guard sees this little bloom. Yep. It's <laughs> very iconic, like collecting yep. a coin in Mario. Exactly. Uh, and there is a shot from one of the trailers where that room of 30 or 40 guys all sees you when they all make their own distinct little noise yeah and the cacophonous it. sound is amazing yeah not only are you super duper fucked <laughs> but it's just uh, way more guards than you'd ever really see in gameplay yeah i don't yeah. even think they shoot you i think once they see you yeah the it's like is phew, game yeah. mission failed yeah really great game overseas oh we should be talking about the game overseas how could we not have mentioned that at this point yes because you always it's always the same thing of a guy screaming snake 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 or or a girl see or different versions of it um but i think metal gear solid 2 might be my favorite one the mission failed and then you still kind of hear it because of something that happens uh, later as well um and it just kind of uh, the aesthetic of it fits everything but here at the beginning uh when you're dying you are getting that metal gear solid one uh game over scene at the beginning here in this tanker incident so again it's almost as though this this ruse, not to give anything away, is still being stretched. Spoilers, man. Being played Jeez. out in front of you. Um, um, That's interesting. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. That is a yeah. wonderful detail. Yeah. So they argue over... Um, oh, so all, all of a sudden, um, after you're done taking these picks and send them off, Revolver Ocelot, our buddy, shows up, and he's working with uh, Sergei Galerkovich, Olga's dad. Uh, they are, But they're arguing over who gets Ray at gunpoint. There's a whole bunch of guns. They're going to... You know, the commandant, the military, or the, the marine guy doesn't know what's going on. Like, like everyone's kind of like, what? Huh? What? It's kind of like, a, it's, it's our a, boss and this cowboy seem to be in a heck of a fight. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we should do something. Like, it's totally like wrestling for a second there. Everyone's just kind of looking to the crowd as to what should I do? Well, I, I love the idea that at any point, you know, a guy with an official military title and a full uniform and all of this is being bullied around by some one-handed cowboy with yeah. a handlebar yeah. mustache holding yeah. a 1880s revolver. Yeah, okay, well, let's arrest the guy that doesn't look like he belongs here. How about that? <laughs> so, um, Ocelot says he's working for the Patriots, not uh, Solidus Snake, as Sergei assumes. This is for like Solidus Snake. I feel like this is the first time we've heard that name. Yes, I oh, for sure. So, yeah, at, at yeah. this point, like, well, what the hell was that? And uh, as Sergei, uh, so the Marine Commandant is shocked to hear, uh, instead of. Um, the Patriots, also known as Lali Lule Lo, rolls right off the tongue. Which was that? Is the the root of that? It was meant in World War Two to root out Japanese spies. Is that the story that I'd heard about it? Because they can't say the one. Oh, because it's not in there. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's a racist thing I heard about because it does sound pretty racist. But, but now it's a Japanese game being sold to Americans. So right. that, does that undo it? 
Right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm not sure how that's why works. he maybe that's why he included it. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I, I think I read it somewhere. I I, I, I can't conf- confirm, but it's I weird. Mean, the, the only thing I know on that front is like the uh, the use of Navajo and other native languages because the Japanese would have no frame of reference. Right. It, and no, right. no no native speakers probably living in Japan to teach them the language. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, that's another name for the Patriots, this group, okay, the Super Secret Society. Let's stick uh, with Patriots, what do you yeah, say? Yeah, works for me. <laughs> uh, the Marine uh, Commandant is shocked to hear there are they are involved with Ray. Uh, Ocelot shoots almost everyone. Uh, he sets off the, the, the planted explosives in the taker, and he jumps into Ray. But wait, Ocelot's right arm, don't forget, <laughs> he, he, oh, he had his Jesus, arm cut off. It begins to spasm. <laughs> And he starts to speak like Liquid Snake. And he starts taunting his brother. And, okay, I'll, I've heard, like, from all the all the things I've listened to and all just kind of diving in, getting to know Metal Gear Solid culture, mm-hmm. this is seen as more than anything else, even among the diehardest of fans, as the bridge too far. Uh, almost across the board. I don't know if I feel that shitty about it i don't feel as much as like, like who the fuck cares like you know i get it. it's like ridiculous yeah but i feel there's limits to that who the fuck caresness yeah i think you can get past floating uh psychic vampire people who you know can't read player two and i think you can get past people who have such good luck that bad things will just never happen to them, but in a weird, bittersweet monkey's paw way where bad things always happen to them right and all of the craziness kind of works if you assume that each person has like their own one little quirk that you know you could explain with genetic engineering or whatever if you really need to but yeah just know that all the sub bosses are magical Mm -hmm. when you get into like this is beyond dr strange love because it's an amputated arm that is like now taking over the host yeah Makes no sense. Uh, I mean, I know that they go deep into nano machines and all that in four. And and that's there. And that's kind of the throwaway. That's the way he kind of retcons a lot of stuff, right? And just kind of leaps stuff under the rug by saying nano machines. Like, that's the joke, right? It's a way to say magic with two more syllables. Um, Right. I don't know. I, I agree with the vast majority that yeah. that is something where I'm just like, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Not that I hadn't done that before, but it was always in that Otacon being sappy way where it's like, oh, this. This pulls me out a little bit, whereas the literal fighting with a uh, recently reattached arm Arm, pulled me right out. Yeah, that's a little wacky. Anyways, Ocelot escapes in Ray uh, and tearing the tanker apart as it it sinks. Uh, So this is boom. Uh, This is like kind of the end of the tanker incident. Mm -hmm. Uh, Solid Snake is believed to have died in the incident. Uh, The media reports that Solid Snake led the terrorist takeover, and it was like a big... Like massive oil spill uh, happened because of this as well yeah, in um, New York Harbor. In New York Harbor, pretty crazy. And so from there, we cut to August 29th, two thousand nine, two years after the uh, the incident, and we meet Foxhound recruit Snake. <laughs> For a second, his name is Snake, but he is sent to infiltrate uh, offshore detonation facility known as Big Shell. Uh, and when he gets into Big Shell, uh, right away, we learn that he's, it's not Snake. He's now going by Raiden. Um, he's still wearing a mask. Um, so we haven't seen his face. Uh, he sounds different. Um, built, uh, so we learned this Big Shell was built shortly after the tanker incident. Um, the official story is because it was to clean up the, the spell from the tanker incident. 
but we've learned that a terrorist group known as Sons of Liberty has seized the facility, taken about 30 hostages, including the 44th president, James Johnson. That's his name. Uh, they're asking for $30 billion or they blow the place up, setting off the worst environmental disaster in history. So uh, Raiden gets on board in a way that's very similar. And again, this is deliberate as fuck that uh, mm. very similar to the way solid snake kind of got on board in metal gear solid one but when it gets to the point where he reveals he takes off all his gear and reveals himself it looks nothing like solid snake it, it sure doesn't it looks like a uh it's a blonde kid um um who looks very uh uh anime Right, like kind of like yeah. uh, that kind of uh, more feminine, um, not not the kind of not the the David Hater that we were getting kept you waiting uh, before. This is uh, this is he's like super whiny. I, mean, I can't believe I've gone this long without telling saying that. Oh, he's voice. the worst. Yeah, he's super he's whiny. whiny. Um, physically, yeah, like you say, he's the exact opposite. You know, he's not a uh, veteran who's you know grizzled and been beat up, and it's a tough, gravelly voice. He's a rookie who's this slim little guy with mm -hmm. beautiful hair beautiful and yeah i got a beautiful head of hair <laughs> um, he does uh, weird little flips instead of his cool combat role and he's very if you loved solid snake you will hate this character um and it's very intentional and they let you play as snake for about two hours i guess i guess the tanker yeah. or to really get used to how cool he is and how much you missed being him and now he's gone about 10 percent of the game basically because yeah. this is now all of a sudden the rug has been pulled out from under you and you're now playing as this character so i'll say so i got i when i i i, I bought a ps3 this is before i had gone back to buying video games um just because my blu-ray player had died um and i bought the hd collection this is back in like 2013 maybe it was like pretty fresh after it had come out um and i remember playing i played a little bit of it uh and got to this point and honestly i didn't think much of it like i just for whatever reason i tuned out but you know uh i i went back uh i said okay no i'm gonna play these games there's got to be something to this and i like without knowing anything about the history or the hype right because i was i had tuned out between i didn't know all that stuff that you were talking about with that so even somebody who didn't have that kind of expectation, there was something there for me in or something in 2012 that made me like kind of, you know, maybe I'll try, maybe I'll try Snake Eater for a bit instead. Um, and I didn't, and for whatever reason, I didn't end up spending as much time in Snake Eater because I think uh, there's a lot of reasons. We'll, we'll get into that when we get to it. But I think that's, uh, I, you know, it, this was a, it was shocking. It was a, it was a big ballsy move, as you said, um, and was not well received at the time. Uh, people were expecting solid snake. All the advertising had solid snake. The demo had solid snake. And now you are this whiny, um, anime looking guy for the rest of the, uh, of this kid, uh, the, for the rest of this game. Um, it's a bad time to be a whiny kid too. I mean, I know this is, you know, two years after the Phantom Menace when everyone was expecting <laughs> yes. sweet Star Wars yes. and you're getting this little kid. Yeah. And I think O one might have been the summer of Attack of the Clones, if I'm not entirely mistaken. Just before two thousand two. 
2002. Okay, this okay. guy so, pre- yeah, predated so it's, it's, Hayden. Predated. <laughs> so it was the pump was primed to hate, you know, characters that are <sighs> right. whiny little kids right. in series that you've grown to love. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, this is just, oh, dude, we just watched yesterday the uh, Woodstock 99 documentary Oof. that's on HBO. Woo! When you want to talk about what the model of masculinity is still 2001, this is two years off of this or a year and a half off of this, um, the model of what masculinity in America was at the time and then what they're throwing at uh, them with, uh, with um, riding here is drastically different. So, uh, yeah, so um he radios the colonel and it's campbell again from metal gear solid one who we hadn't seen since then because it was autocon on the kodak before um he's he's called in a navy so he's saying that you we're here you're here as well as a navy seal team and there's a possible intruder as well they saw something else um so he learns there's also uh a perfect system analysis don't worry we've got someone else to help us here it's uh rosemary your your girlfriend he's like what <laughs> like it, like it. Well, that's such a rough move to pull on him too. <laughs> I know. Imagine, you know, you're stressing out. You got all this important work yeah. stuff to do, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, your only contact to the outside world in these life or death situations is your girlfriend. Like, oh, so that fight that I had last week is going to come and bite me in the ass when I need to know whether to cut the red wire or the and, green. Perfect. And it does. And it, it sure does. does several oh times. <laughs> right. I think that's a thing too. I don't want to jump ahead or anything, yeah. but these soap opera elements that gave one some of their charm are i feel like the wrong parts of them are leaned on you know it's kind of cool when everyone's related i guess Mm -hmm. that's your own thing Uh, it is and it is and i mean it's sometimes it's there sometimes it's not i i I mean i kind of i find it charming i'm still at the at the at the the fact that it has those those kind of overtly connected links um just really convoluted i'm sure you, like some people could like people are you easily roll their eyes but i'm still i'm still at this point i'm still kind of getting swept off my feet by everybody <laughs> here so um i know what you mean though well i think some amount of that works i do feel once it starts being about the mission in any sort of way like if if mission stuff is being subjugated to these two having a personal chat about their relationship as opposed to the relationship further informing the mission right you know you know you can't do dishes and you forgot to tell me about the laser sights oh my god you know that's a little bit better than just a complete sidebar argument about other things in the middle of a mission yeah but in a way having that personal connection is pretty important with this uh story too no agreed Uh, yeah um so he reluctantly agrees to have her on the job um he accesses a node this is one of the first time for some reason that's a really well-known line. Did you say nerd? My 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 daughter loves that line. Um, uh, there's no reason for that joke, but it's in there. Uh, to activate his radar. So his radar is up uh, the whole time. You don't rely on your radar as much into... That's one of the more modern day critiques of Metal Gear Solid is that you spend too much time watching the right-hand corner because of your radar and looking at everybody's vision cones. This one is not as, you're you're not as dependent on it. It's still kind of there. Um, but uh, this is why, oh yeah, so this is when he gets to the top here and he finally reveals his, I guess, virginal self, I'll call him. <laughs> so, Raiden. Uh, he, finds, he finds the Navy, oh, but I will find out he's, he's maybe not. <laughs> so Raiden finds the Navy SEAL team has been slaughtered. It looks very similar. Again, throwback to a scene, but from when before we saw Cyber Ninja and you saw a whole bunch of people look like a horror scene, a whole bunch of crew members uh, murdered. But in this case, it's by a guy, Vamp, 
for, by are voiced by uh, Mad TV alum Phil Lamar. Who's, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, he's uh, awesome. Uh, uh, he's uh, again mysterious member of again. So he's part of Dead Cell. This is there again. They're that that supervillain team that you always kind of have to fight. Who all seem to have some sort of powers, and he's. Mm-hmm. Like a vampire, he almost kills Raiden, but is saved by one of the sole survivors of this Navy SEAL team, a guy named Iroquois Pliskin, who gives uh, <laughs> Raiden he gives Raiden a SOCOM pistol and a pack of smokes. Um, have you seen Escape from New York? I have. I've never seen Escape from New York, and I can't find I can't find it for free anywhere right now, or Escape from L.A. Um, Ooh, uh, you can miss. Honestly, what? I'd say you could probably miss either, but New York is worth watching. Really? For... See, I've I've heard that Escape from L.A. is to, in a way, I've seen, oh, dude, there's been so many video essays on these games. There's been so much stuff written about this game in particular, like uh, think pieces for over the last 20 years, man, um, for a number of things we're going to get into. But um, uh uh, I've, I've heard someone explain that this is because Escape from L.A. is kind of like a parody of Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a parody of Metal Gear Solid in a way. In yeah, certain, I mean, I, 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 I do see the parallel you're talking about. Yeah. There. Yeah. I, Anyways, I, just, I haven't seen the... I haven't seen either. So I, I'd have to uh, uh, I just know like in one he he wins by a basketball game as opposed to something being much more you know kind of badass with like involving guns or something you know what i mean yeah yeah and there's a lot of really weird comedy like right. escape from new york and i have no spoiler review is a a walk through grungy 1970s new york with john carpenter music not much happens it's just sort of broody and a very atmospheric movie mm-hmm. without much happening and then Escape from L.A. is a weird parody of L.A. itself more than Escape from New York. Hmm. It's, right. I feel okay. like uh, there must have been issues dealing with L.A. and the filmmaking culture right. there. So they're getting so, their digs in? Yeah, because it's all about, oh, plastic surgeons. Hmm. And it's more about fame than being good at what you're doing. So, oh, this assassin's more famous. And Interesting. It's just very, very strange stuff. Interesting. Uh, well, I'm curious. I mean, I do want to watch. I mean, I love John Carpenter. Man. I love Big Trouble in Little China. And, mm-hmm a lot of that especially that era so and kurt russell when he was a badass too it's it's a good feeling movie just there's not a lot of memorable scenes or things that happen so it's just a a bit of a slow burn okay well this iroquois pliskin chap looks pretty familiar the stranger pretty familiar (laughs) i mean uh you haven't heard his voice yet guys i mean we've we have because we've played the game (laughs) um so riding uh fights off uh Oh, oh, she would mention uh, he gives he gives Raiden a SOCOM pistol and a pack of cigarettes, a pack of yes. smokes. Cigarettes are such an important part of this game. And, and I haven't smoked in about three years, almost three years. It'll be three years in September. But oh man, those cigarettes look delicious in these games. I always uh, appreciate that you could smoke cigarettes, I believe, even going back to the NES game. You can. When you do have it, when you have them armed, your your health depletes. <laughs> Yeah, so well, that's, that's the work. only time. Yeah, that's the only time. That's the only time it's kind of. I get there's a warning in Metal Gear Solid Four when you're um, uploading because the whole uploading is just him dragging on one dart for like a good forty <laughs> minutes while you're uploading this massive game. It tells you it's just like seriously, kids, just come on. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so Raiden, uh, first uh, of the super villains he has to fight off is this a woman named Fortune. She's uh, a tough lady who just can't get shot. Um, uh, here in this boss fight, 
you don't defeat her. You just outlast her. Um, which, again, is a bit of foreshadowing for something that's going to happen later. And is, again, something you don't usually see that in a, in a video game. Where you get to a boss fight and you just have to outlast somebody. And then the plot advances. Because usually that comes after, like, fuck, I just can't beat her kind of thing. It's like, God, what should I do? And then all of a sudden, okay, she's leaving. Like, oh, seriously? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's like the first time you play this. Um, so here you meet up with Peter Stillman, <clears throat> who uh, is a bomb expert. Uh, and he needs you to defuse some bombs uh, that have been set up around the thing. And as you're defusing, you and, oh, and here you learn that, uh, uh, or again, you're working on this with this Pliskin character, who does sound pretty familiar. Um, and you're, you're going around and so you're having to go all around all these different shells and bridges and hide from all the guards and cameras and things and just defuse a bunch of different bombs in different places. But every time you're reporting them, the bomb expert's like, that doesn't make any sense. These are in weird places. This isn't, this isn't going to hurt anything structural or structural, pardon me, uh, until you get to the next boss fight. And this is like... Late 90s. See, this guy would have fit right in in uh, Woodstock 99. It's uh, His name is Fat Man. He's a bomb expert, and he gets around on rollerblades. And the, and the music that plays here is great. There's a, I, we should, the music throughout these games is incredible. It gets better, obviously, uh, and more memorable, and it's, like, iconic. Yeah. Um, but there's already been some iconic stuff, including the Metal Gear Solid theme. And this, uh, and I think this... The, the boss fight music in this is one that shows up again and again. Um, but it's so like 90s, uh, kind of run, Lola, run, kind of late 90s. Uh, you know what I mean? Well, I really enjoy about the series in general how in gameplay you'll get those sorts of uh, electronic film score type things. And then in all the cutscenes, you get the Harry Gregson Williams orchestral Hans Zimmer type right. pull at your heartstrings. Right. And they mesh so well. Mm -hmm. And when I'm playing the game, I don't notice the change. Yeah, no, big but time. it definitely puts you in the right headspace for yeah. whatever you're doing, whether yeah. you need to and emote he... or fight or whatever. Yeah, and he takes some risks musically too with uh, the kind of choices he makes. Like especially like, did you did you uh, finish Peace Walker ever? No, I never played Peace Walker. Okay, because that finishes with the out of nowhere K-pop for a J-pop song. Just out of nowhere comes for like one of the last uh, boss fights. But again, like, and a lot of people are like, what the hell is this? Why is this happening now? <laughs> when this is a game supposed to be taking in the seven, taking place in the seventies. But again. Well, I read that he put some music in because of a typo. Someone oh, really? was recommending a song to him and then he How? thought they were talking about the artist. So he grabbed the wrong thing and then, Hilarious. oh, this is great. And threw that in the uh, end credits of, I believe, three. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Star Staler. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, um, uh, so... Yeah, as I said, um, a, a hilarious ending. After you've done all this and you're told there's one more bomb, can you remember where the last bomb is? It's on his body, is it not? Or it's like underneath him. So you're right. like looking over all over everywhere. All you had to do was just kind of pick him up and move him. Because that's a new thing here too, is you can pick up guys after you've knocked them down. That's the first time. And you kind of shake stuff out of them to get like uh, ammo or whatever. And it's where the Hitman style putting guys into lockers and stuff starts, right? Right, right, yeah. yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, in order to, like, like I've heard people said they spent like hours trying to find this bomb and then all you had to do was just move him and it's right underneath him. Again, that's kind of a 
dick move <laughs> from Kojima here, but I yep. kind of like it. Um, That's the thing, though. You know, we've included this new mechanic, and there's one point in the game where you have to use it, and the rest of the time it's optional. Yes. <laughs> from a designer perspective, I can appreciate that. You know, right. I put the time in, so you're going to have to try it at least once. Right. Very good. Have one uh, vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> Raiden uh, goes to... So uh, there's a bomb. Th the, the, the bomb threat's over, uh, but the president is still in danger. We remind us. So Raiden goes to find him and is confronted by the cyborg ninja, looking like looking like uh, the same one from Metal Gear Solid One. Tells Raiden to go find Richard Ames, this guy specifically, one of the one of the um, hostages. Tells Raiden about the next three obstacles you have to pass. Ninja then tells Raiden that the big shell is actually not what it says it is, and it's actually a place to house a new Metal Gear. Um, Raiden finds, um, eventually finds this guy through, and, and again, so you have to get this thing where you can tell somebody's, he has an he has a, a pacemaker or something. So you have like this microphone. So you, when you're sneaking around all the guards and the hostages, there's a guy who has an irregular heartbeat. And when you find him, then you have this conversation with him and he, this guy's a chatterbox. <laughs> it, it is one of those extended where you see like, you know, where it cuts to that real life footage, if memory serves of like, you know. Uh, nuclear weapon shells and things like that and uh so he tells you um we are he says you and i were working for the same people um but then he hears ocelot talking to someone who says that saying they are solid snake iroquois hears this and he is choked and and fires at the uh at the imposter because he's up in a helicopter at this point saying that he's the real solid snake surprise what? Solid snake's okay that, that unmistakable voice i mean it is it's one of those things like do you think palpatine might be the emperor <laughs> um there's a harrier battle here that's awesome that's killer um and this is where we we learn that it's flown by the fake solid snake um it's shot down but he escapes. This is a really challenging. This is awesome because uh, our snake is throwing down um, these like Nikita missiles to you from up in the up in the uh, helicopter. So you can like you have to aim these missiles at this Harrier jet whenever it flies by. It's super exciting. Um, again, like action packed. It, it, it's it's a gameplay that that feels cinematic here as opposed to the cinematics themselves. Um, uh, it's shot down. But he escapes with medical, or pardon me, with Metal Gear Ray, which is active. So this guy gets away. Uh, Snake says he will help you find the president. Um, after this has happened, you find President Johnson through again some really sneaky things. Uh, he reveals this total QAnon type shit about how <laughs> the U.S. Uh, democratic process is a sham run by the Patriots. Uh, also, Big Shell is all is there to hide Arsenal gear. This is this other big thing that, uh, again, again, we'll, we'll explain more as we go, I guess. And but it houses an AI. Yeah, it houses an AI called GW. Okay, this AI all of a sudden because the first time we really hear the importance of AI, but it becomes important. Yes, it does. Uh, he says Dead Cell is run by George Sears. Uh, the, the Dead Cells, this terrorist group that's here, of the terrorist group of these of the supervillains, these X-Men they've been called in one of these other podcasts. Um, but he's actually Solidus Snake, um, who is, uh, who was George Sears, uh, who is actually the, did we learn at this time that he's the third of the clones? Or does that come later? I think it's safe to infer by this point. Yeah, yeah. Once oh, you call yourself Solidus Snake, he's got some sort of weird, he's got some sort of weird, yep. Yeah. 
yeah. in this yeah. world. It's it's some sort of weird connection, and I can't remember the timeline of when we learned just exactly who he is. He asks Raiden. Um, oh, the president asks Raiden to kill him in a really weird. He's like, I got to play my part here. Um, but he ends up getting killed by Ocelot, who's kind of been watching this whole thing. He's like, because he's got to make sure these things happen. Because Ocelot always is just this character who's there to move things along. And he's got his own motivations, but he's always there to make sure that specific dominoes fall, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that happens a lot. Um, and sometimes he's much more passive. And this time he's just like, okay, well, I got to make... Come on, man, you're slowing things down here. <laughs> Kill the president. Um, <clears throat> so, and then we have the first um uh vamp uh boss battle i should mention vamp is very this very feminine uh vampire kind of looks like a thinner um more emaciated roman reigns <laughs> uh uh I can see it yeah yeah um um interesting um but anyway so yeah, that's that's a, a memorable boss fight and he's a memorable character um because he shows up again he becomes more of a he becomes a Raiden rival more than anything else in this game by the end here, uh, by the time it gets to four, which is cool. And I like that that's kind of what he becomes more than in this kind of thing is that they are the, they have a specific uh, kind of foil with each other or foil relationship with each other. Yeah. And I think he's played probably more sympathetically than most. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember Fat Man having any sort of like great emotional stakes, but Vamp and Fortune as a pair specifically right, right. get a, a few really nice emotional moments right. and they're not right. portrayed as pure evil. Right. Right? And I should mention that Vamp has already been shot point blank in the head earlier in the in the game, but he, he's one of those guys who just, just don't die. So and that's just that. an excellent scene too, yep. because the whole idea is... Uh, you can't Vamp hit Fortune. Is, or uh, Fortune is being shot at. And the deal is that she always has good luck, but it's always tainted with bad somehow. Yeah. So the bullets curve around her and hit her best friend, yeah. presumably killing him at the time. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was a clever piece that got me good when I was first playing. Like, oh, mm -hmm. that's really clever. And uh, one of those little fist bumps you do once you see something you really like. Yeah. For Another sure. moment. I think we might have passed what actually happens, but it's just in my playthrough, there is a scene where Iroquois Snake knocks you out for. 10 minutes for some purpose, mm -hmm. but there's a safe point in between. So as I'm playing the game, all I know is I'm playing, I'm raiding, I'm having a good time. Solid snake heel turns on me, knocks me out. And then I had to go to some appointment. So all day the game is off and I'm assuming like, oh, well, snake's now the new villain and this is the best game ever. Uh... And so I was mildly disappointed when they said oh yeah sorry about hitting you there kid it's like oh shit okay. uh, hilarious that would have been quite the scene though i mean yeah. if, if you're going to be going postmodern, mm -hmm. watch more way than to mm -hmm. uh make and your, it would fit, your and it would, would fit in with what had already happened with i mean with what would happen with uh when they kind of expand on who was the original main villain's story right and that like nobody's everybody's got tragic nobody's got like this kind of wrapped up in a little bow kind of story here Right, some get gets close, um, but th this is just full of tragic stories, and that's just tied to that war is hell <laughs> kind of thing, right? Well, one um, thing they play into heavily in the third, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it then, is that who is your ally and who is your enemy, and for what reason is something that just changes. You know, geopolitics will just sort of wash over everyone, and yeah. your best friend will become your worst enemy and vice versa, just based off the way the winds are blowing. Yeah. So to have a character like that's 
pretty interesting for that. Yeah, so, big time. Go on. Uh, Raiden, uh, here's where Raiden rescues Emma Emmerich in a, in a way, again, very similar to when he first res rescued, uh, or when Snake rescued Otacon in Metal Gear Solid 1, because this is pee joke number two. She Yay. pisses her pants. I think we may, there is another piss joke that may have happened before here when you're sneaking around and a guy's just pissing off the edge of a, uh, of uh of the the big shell thing when you got to sneak under it you either walk through the piss or you you get around it but it, it never stops that guy's just being <laughs> non-stop that's incredible i do not recall that yeah um uh so this is we learned this is hal's stepsister <clears throat> she plans to upload a virus into gw to dis disable arsenal gear so you got to drag her around she's eventually stabbed by vamp um, dragging her around, uh, some people talk about that being kind of a, a slower part of the game. It does happen. There is a part where you kind of have to carry uh, Eva again in the next game too. And I, I, I think it needed that. I think it's fine for pacing. I think, and it gives you a new kind of challenge at that point. Um, yeah, well, especially given that Big Shell is, let's call it a boring place to have a game of that length. So you need <laughs> to do stuff to change it up, right? Sure. I mean. Uh, Shadow Moses isn't a huge place, but you know you got cliffs, then you got some tank places, then right. you got you outdoors. Big Shell is all very, very samey. So anything yep. that breaks up your gameplay is a good thing, I'd say. Yeah. So uh, Emma gets shot by Raiden uh, after, or, or part, or yeah, no, uh, Jesus, uh, Vamp. Uh, he shoots Vamp. Um, Raiden shoots Vamp after uh, she's been stabbed. Uh, by by him but just as she's dying she's able to upload the virus but dies and here we see the autocon breakdown here <laughs> the autocon breakdown number two this one is one for the record books it goes on and on because she had a parrot who all she knows <laughs> is how how like knows his name that's all she had taught him and there's a part where it just goes it, like it just it lasts <laughs> a good five minutes and it happens like th there's three separate breakdowns and each one's worse than the next. And he would say, it's like, pull yourself together, man. <laughs> you know, he's not cut out for this war shit. Yeah. Um, but again, there is some point here too. Uh, well, the virus was cut off prematurely, uh, but the Otacon leaves to rescue the hostage. I remember there's some point here too, because it's after the breakdown where they, they have an amazing handshake snake and Otacon that has become a meme that like, just, it's just like, let's do this. Psh, psh, like it's something that they had practiced um <clears throat> anyways raiden ends up captured by the ninja who is actually olga from the tanker surprise and snake here's her uh, snake seemingly betrays raiden um this might have been at uh, the moment you were talking about okay uh, um because then when you wake up <clears throat> it's like the similar torture situation from metal gear solid one only you're you're not only shirtless you're you're completely bare ass naked um and your uh, solidus is in front of you but he's got like this total like doc ock uh kind of gear where like these tentacles and he's torturing you and like and you've got a like he's choking you with the arms and again you got a button mash to get out of it and reveal he reveals that he killed your real mom and dad and raised you as a child in the the liberian civil war again just like whispers of real life um uh historical fiction like okay i i assume that would be a prime location to, re to raise a child soldier and that's another thing um it becomes more and more of a, a theme of the use of child soldiers uh and how much kojima is like like it's a serious issue for him um i mean serious issue for everybody um mm -hmm. but that becomes more and more of a, a common theme too um um so 
Yeah, so um, he leaves uh, after this. It's like after choking him, he leaves and walks out. But then Olga comes back in, frees Raiden, says she's actually a Patriot double agent, and she's here to help Raiden for the safety of her child. Um, Raiden, and here's it, Raiden is bare-ass naked, but she just leaves him. And he has to start to sneak around this area, which, again, it's in Arsenal gear. When you start to look up the map, Here's where things start just getting fucking insane because you're, so you're sneaking around, you're naked, it's, it's nuts. And you just, you just like, it, it's crazy because you feel so, it makes you extra bare because as it is with any other game, you've been, you know, upgrading weapons and adding more kind of thing and stuff. And like, oh, this is getting tricky. It's a good thing I've got the Nikita missile now. And now all of a sudden you've got nothing. And uh, you're constantly, even when you're walking, like you make sure you got to cover your junk. And there's a funny uh, camera uh, joke when you when you're lying or when you're in the torture thing. If you change the camera angle, there's a like a pop can, but the straw is just covering your junk. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, so- I think something to mention about the whole uh, Raiden nudity is the dodge, because as I said earlier, he has this big like flying camel sort of dodge where he throws his legs way up in the right. air right it's like a and wheel. they did a special version of that where he's got his hands gripping his junk yeah. while he's still throwing his legs up in the air doing that not willing wheel. to condescend yeah. to do a combat role like everyone else <laughs> he's gonna stay acrobatic he just also wants to stay pg yeah so raiden discovers he is a a, a construct of the gw ai or like a part of it or uh and that, and that it's it's being damaged by the virus or like he's not a constant like he's been all of this well it just gets it just get fucking crazy but because the the when um Campbell starts talking to him he starts glitching out and saying really really cryptic things and some hilarious things and making references to the original Metal Gear uh, 8-bit game and you see yeah. things and he's tell he tells you to turn off your console it starts to get creepy like again like it's legitimately off-putting yeah um the fact that he's going into other games and somehow sometimes just gibberish Mm -hmm. other times like you say turn your console off and leave Mm -hmm. um and he's like kind of freaking out you kind of get like that kind of uh, psycho kind of see a skull over his face for a second uh, oh yeah he's talking it's it's one of the more memorable scenes is his freak out and descent or the mask falling off or whatever you want to call it yeah and you're still bare ass naked Uh, rose tells raiden that she uh, oh oh, yeah very famous thing he says i need scissors 61 that's one of the most famous famous quotes from the the nonsense coming out of campbell at this point rose tells raiden that she was ordered by the patriots to spy on him and become his lover and that she's pregnant Whoa. But again, this is all happening when he's not sure what's real and what isn't. He's freaking out. Raiden eventually finds Snake, who gives you clothes, thank God, and a sweet-ass Electroblade. And here we get, if if you were looking for some sort of payoff with your guy, here, if you're still like, man, maybe we're going to get something with Snake, all of a sudden, there is this side-by-side battle where you are fighting off everybody it's the first time you're using this blade with snake and it is so awesome it is such a good time um i remember the music is kick-ass too and it just comes again at the right it feels a bit like the end of metal gear solid when you're going driving away on that jeep and it's like you're feeling that kind of that that um, pump of adrenaline um well it's the first time where you're doing or maybe not first but 
it's rare in these games to be doing action, yeah. but with that reckless abandon, like you're saying, where you're sitting in the back of the Jeep, just spraying with the M60 yeah, or here yeah. where you're just mashing in more or less any direction and you mm -hmm. know it'll work out because that yeah. sword is so good. Yeah. You're not yeah. really, really concerned about right, right. every single guy. Right. And that's, but that's, and that's kind of Kojima rewarding you at this sure, point. Yeah. yeah. Like here, have it here. Here's some of that. Remember that fun gameplay that I'm also known for? Here you go. Um, <laughs> well, don't get too used to it because yeah. it's got to be an hour and 10 minutes of cutscenes coming up. Yep. Um, so they get to a Tony, I guess I describe it as a Johnny mnemonic looking area where they are, are facing Solidus and fortune and snake says, okay, I'm going to take on fortune, but you have to, you have to sneak, sneak around or stick around here, right. And, and fight off a bunch of metal gear rays. And it depends on how many metal gear rays are depending on what level of difficulty you're playing, uh, for normal, I think it's five and it's super challenging and you're constantly having to lock on them. And it goes on and on and on, but you're doing it, you're doing it, and eventually, but eventually, you lose. You lose, and you just have to stop and give up. And this is what I mean how that part was a bit of foreshadowing of Fortune before. Um, but this is massive. This is at the end of the game, in that in that you've, you just, I can't, like, like this is... Like, and that's a big message in itself as to what's to come and to kind of what Kojima's saying and, and how this game starts to get really weirdly fucking prophetic um, here. And that you, there's some stuff that you're not going to be able to, to fucking win against. Um, so, yeah, so what so what do we, what happens here? Sorry. Um, Solidus... Uh, so, however, the virus has caused the rays to malfunction. So they're not, even though he he's not able to defeat them, they're starting to malfunction. Solidus kills Olga after learning that she was protecting Raiden or that that she had protected him. Uh, and Snake and Raiden are taken to the top of Arsenal by Solidus, Fortune, and Ocelot. Ocelot's there again. Ocelot says he's a Patriot agent. And this whole thing was all orchestrated by them to replicate a soldier like Solid Snake. We were trying to, this whole thing was trying to make uh, Raiden into a soldier or into a soldier that was going to be like Solid Snake because they couldn't get Solid Snake to do the thing. It's called the S3, S, called the S3 plan, another acronym of, or another name. Ocelot kills Fortune before being possessed by Liquid, again, possessed in quotes. He says how the arm makes him this way and, and Snake chases after him as Arsenal crashes into Manhattan. So this is probably when this big thing would have probably dislodged the the Statue of Liberty, right? Yeah, all of your big New York City destruction would be happening here because yeah. everything mm -hmm. up until this point has either been on the tanker or on Big Shell. Yeah. We have not really been outside of those two enclosed areas the whole game. <clears throat> yeah. So Raiden is contacted by the AI impersonating uh, Colonel and Rose, says GW was destroyed, but SC's real purpose is to control human thought through memes and etc. in the digital era. And I hadn't heard about this part really? when I played this again. And when this happened, when I was playing this back in February, it is jarring as fuck. It is shocking how much this feels like it predicted 2015 to, to now kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? A game about how... Um, they would, this would, uh, how they would draw out knowledge and what would become truth. And, and the use of the word meme in 2001 was not something that was 
uh, as on everybody's lips as it is now. You know what I mean? No, it was a Dawkins thing. Like it was an idea, but it was definitely an idea in the human sciences, not right. in general right. talk. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't want to do any drops for this because I hate doing drops on my podcasts because it's just so much work. Not because I don't like them, but I, I might include this just because it's so out there, man. And it really comes at a point and playing it now, especially um, it just it really it, like I said, it's, it feels prophetic that this game is as to how the distribution of information and how it's not. It's not like one group can can like can feel okay. This is the truth now. It's just something okay. Everybody eventually this gets accepted as the truth, whether or not it's it's truth or not. Um, I don't know. Is wild. Can you remember? Did you play this when it first came out? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can you remember so, this moment having? Well, obviously it wouldn't have had the same effect that it has now because I've read uh, like again like uh, it was. It was one of the Chapo guys, Will Manaker, is a big. He's the the big gamer. He's kind of the, one of the few guys I still kind of am into out of the Chapo guys, um, because of his uh, attachment to games. Um, <clears throat> and he talks about this uh, game a lot and talks about how this is like. Has there ever been like? Can you think of a medium or or a piece um, from either from that era or or? anything since that has some sort of statement like this that would end up being as um i don't know weirdly prophetic right like again i keep using that word and i don't want to amplify our boy too much here um well, into... no, he nailed he nailed this one though i mean yeah. he really saw something coming that i feel american art of this type and around this time especially you know a year after this were so focused on the endless war, the mm -hmm. mass surveillance, the top-down government abuse of power. That was a really big thing, especially in sort of left-leaning media, or at least not, you know, super jingoistic, rah-rah military stuff. Everything right. else was like, oh, well, are these really the guys? Oh, how are we going to stop this? Oh, what, what can we listen to? Oh, does this torture <laughs> stuff really work? There was mm -hmm. a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But I think looking beyond that in terms of how are we going to be shaping uh, consensus in 15 years? Yep. Mm -hmm. And how is uh, internet culture going to do that? And I mean, you said before they were doing QAnon stuff. And I think that's pretty close to it yeah, in a lot yeah, of ways, right? Yeah, Just yeah. have these uh, shadow puppets. I mean, they're not even shadow puppets. They're like, you, you make up these fake shadow puppets to sort of give the appearance of someone controlling it but people are just going to believe weird shit and someone is going to capitalize on that weird shit. And here we are on wall street, nudge, nudge. Like I think they're on the roof of the federal reserve building. Right. Not? Right. Right. Like, yep. It's subtle, but it's not at the same time. Right. And, uh, uh, fucking, that's what I love the most, but yeah, to answer your question, beautiful. no, I don't think so. I think yeah. it's unique for being that quick on the draw. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a, thin layer of cyberpunk going through all the metal mm -hmm. gear games yep. and i think that this speech is one of the bigger parts of it where they're talking about uh, ai and what that means for us meat-brained people <laughs> in the coming future right yep. and how we're sort of going to be subsumed into this bigger more complex system yeah uh, that's something i like i said i will include uh, that'll be the one drop uh, i include here today cut the crap if you're immortal, why would you take away individual freedoms and censor the net? <laughs> Jack, 
Don't be silly. Don't you know that our plans have your interests, not ours in mind? What? Jack, listen carefully, like a good boy. The mapping of the human genome was completed early this century. As a result, the evolutionary log of the human race lay open to us. We started with genetic engineering, and in the end, we succeeded in digitizing life itself. But there are things not covered by genetic information. What do you mean? Human memories, ideas, culture, history. Genes don't contain any record of human history. Is it something that should not be passed on? Should that information be left at the mercy of nature? We've always kept records of our lives, through words, pictures, symbols, from tablets to books. But not all the information was inherited by later generations. A small percentage of the whole was selected and processed, then passed on. Not unlike genes, really. That's what history is, Jack. But in the current digitized world, trivial information is accumulating every second, preserved in all its triteness, never fading, always accessible. Rumors about petty issues, misinterpretation, slander. All this junk data, preserved in an unfiltered state, growing at an alarming rate. It will only slow down social progress, reduce the rate of evolution. Right. You seem to think that our plan is one of censorship. Are you telling me it's not? You're being silly. What we propose to do is not to control content, but to create context. Create context? The digital society furthers human flaws and selectively rewards development of convenient half-truths. Just look at the strange juxtapositions of morality around you. Billions spent on new weapons in order to humanely murder other humans. Rights of criminals are given more respect than the privacy of their victims. Although there are people suffering in poverty, huge donations are made to protect endangered species. Everyone grows up being told the same thing. Be nice to other people. But beat out the competition. You're special. Believe in yourself and you will succeed. But it's obvious from the start that only a few can succeed. You exercise your right to freedom, and this is the result. All rhetoric to avoid conflict and protect each other from hurt. The untested truths, spun by different interests, continue to churn and accumulate in the sandbox of political correctness and value systems. Everyone withdraws into their own small gated community, afraid of a larger forum. They stay inside their little ponds, leaking whatever truth suits them into the growing cesspool of society at large. The different cardinal truths neither clash nor mesh. No one is invalidated, but nobody is right. So, um, they order, uh, the, the, but they order Raiden, Raiden to defeat Solidus. Uh, it says, if he does not, they will kill Olga's child and Rose. Um, the final Who boss... may or may not be fake. Right, right. And th this guy doesn't know what to believe at this point. Did I really go to the Empire straight building with you? Did he really have that argument about what it, what was about? Whatever, the King Kong thing. He loves monster movies too. They always, There's always stuff, uh, King Kong and Godzilla, that always shows up in the in their conversations, in the Kodak conversations. Um, so his final boss battle with Solidus is epic. It's And the, and the final cinematic is fucking killer. Mm -hmm. Um... um um snake appears fracking liquid in ray uh he and otacon are going to rescue the child and find the patriots where details were on the gw virus disc 
Uh, Raiden is reunited with Rose. It's a super like kind of karaoke style almost at time visual of of the way everything like the way the views visuals they're using of the new york city street and the way it gets into that kind of again here comes that kind of we need to choose to live and we have one life to and it's but it's again like at this point especially after you've been given that that line about uh or, or that whole surprise hey this is uh you know there's not much you can do about about you know um some things you can't control right and there's some things you can't control that are really shitty <laughs> basically and difficult but uh it's, and it's all about like it has you know it gets schmaltzy but it's but it's super fitting and i'm super on board um he's reunited with rose um heavy-handed again as fuck uh, but it's awesome um and we get the credits there uh but in this post credit scene autocon and snake are discussing the disc that they've found stuff on and with the 12 people's names who are the philosophers. But the thing is, they've all been dead for 100 years. That's the last. Whoa, kind of surprise <laughs> you there. And that's Metal Gear Solid 2. Any uh, last uh, thoughts about this one? No, I mean, just to reiterate what everyone always says about what a ballsy move it is to take a huge success and follow it up with what works for the artist and the statement they want to make, but what is like you said uh very politely it's been uh oh what's the word you used uh regardless a lot of people didn't like it a lot of right. people found uh, it yeah bad yeah. Uh, polarizing polarizing <laughs> polarizing nice way to say it yeah but um, uh, oh yeah people were fucking pissed off that it was who is this whiny little biatch you know what i mean and it was a long time before people uh, liked riding again um, and i feel that the x-men in this one are a lot weaker than they were in the first right. um i think the location is fairly weak so mm -hmm. I, there's a lot I, I feel that is justified to not like but in terms of the narrative mm -hmm. and the meta narrative surrounding it it's yeah. incredible and, and the overall nothing like it in, in the overall anywhere yeah. yep i agree the overall experience like i've I mean, I love, I've loved all these games. I've loved, loved all these games, playing all of them, even the ones with the, the ones that aren't as good. I think Metal Gear Solid 2 is my favorite of the series for sure, just because of that. That is so, such a unique experience with any type of art to have something like that uh, happen. Uh, and yeah, and I, and I think Raiden's a pretty cool dude. <laughs> well, Raiden got quite the facelift over the years too. He sure did. So now when you see Raiden, it's not yeah. this isn't Metal Gear. Who's yeah. this? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, well, this is just his first adventure. He becomes a cool cyber ninja later. That's right. Okay, so that brings us to Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Release. Yes, November 17th, 2004, my 17th birthday. For the PlayStation 2. Um or pardon me, the, my, my 27th birthday. <laughs> oh you age so quick yeah yeah wait a second yeah my 27th birthday okay um uh, it later showed up on the nintendo 3ds it's the only um well i guess you had uh, the, the twin snakes on gamecube but then this is like it's weird nintendo's relationship with uh the metal gear solid uh sega i had heard that some of the changes to the 3ds ones are pretty unique and um change the gameplay um i'm assuming you never played it on that 
No, just the original PS2. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, I played it on the. Uh, so you got the uh, the Ape Escape bonus game, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, see, I never have to still haven't played that because I only have the uh, the HD uh, uh, edition, which it look again, it looks great. Like these H the HD upgrades for these games look awesome. Um. So okay. So uh, sold four million copies. Again, made a Metacritic nine ninety one out of a hundred. But this one, I think, more than any of the series is is really as you've said considered one of the greatest games of all time one of the most beloved of the series right um let's say so i feel like the rough edges that are there gameplay wise in the first one and narrative wise in the second have both been removed to sort of make a nice crowd pleaser before he upsets everyone again in four (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's the most it's the tightest story for sure it's um it's the most it's the one i would you know, like, like, look, I'm so happy that we're doing this, dude, because the, the thing about this game, in case you guys haven't noticed, but listeners, dear listeners, is these games merit discussion. <laughs> it's, um, so that's probably the main reason why I want to do this. But I have so many friends I've been trying to, like, there's no way I can get my wife to give a shit about any of these things I've been wanting to talk about for so long. But I want to get more Your of my... Honey, drop 100 hours in this convoluted <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah. Just so I can have a conversation yeah. with you. Um, but, um... That, like I know I have individual friends who I, I know I could get into this. Um, and if there's and if there's like an entry level Metal Gear Solid game, it's Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, I think for sure. For your classic Metal yeah. Gear, yes, <clears throat> uh, Five is probably easier to drop in and play. Now I feel yep. it's yep. Far Cry and Metal Gear sort of mixed together. It's not a true Metal Gear game. Right. I, I, have, I have thoughts about it. We'll get to it. I'll get next week. Uh, next, yes, yes. Next week. Well, uh, there's thoughts that will tie into this one as well. So okay, cool. I'll try to find a point. Okay. Um. So uh, this is a prequel to the Metal Gear Solid series. Uh, and this first time it opens up to true 3D finally, because uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 was also overhead with uh, some first person when you could aim and things like that. But this is uh, more direct 3D. So the setting is 1964. Uh, CIA agent Naked Snake is sent to St- oh boy, Selinoyorsk, uh, USSR. That's not going to be the first uh, tricky one. Um, on what is called the Virtuous Mission. Um, and he's, did you say Virtual Mission? Which is the first kind of throw uh, shout out to the, one of very few references to Metal Gear Solid 2. As a quick aside. Yeah. Um, David Hayter, or at least Solid Snake and all of his various iterations, he has this proclivity to be told something, a piece of information, and just repeat the most valuable part of that as a question. You need to go this because there's a hind D over there. Hind D question mark. (laughs) And just gets more information about that specific part. And that is his response to maybe a third of the things he's told. It's mm-hmm. really quite something once mm-hmm. you start looking for it. Yep. And, and, but it's important. Okay. So we know we, we got to pay attention to this thing. If he's saying it two times, it's Jimmy well, two it's times. Smart. Like... And apparently Kojima was weird about translation. Like sometimes he would require things be meticulously translated. Hmm. Like it was a recipe rather right. than allowing localization to make things flow a bit better. So I don't know if that makes more sense in Japanese to... Right always be repeating things back and forth right, or not right but i wonder what i wonder what uh, kept you waiting huh that translates, <laughs> translates to into uh japanese anyways um so on the codec this time we've got major zero an old british um, um veteran who's been been at this for a while uh paramedic she's kind of filling in in the kind of naomi uh spot and uh at the beginning here his your former mentor the boss 
Um, so Snake needs to to rescue a scientist called Nikolai Sokolov. He's a weapons developer. Uh, Zero tells Snake that Sokolov is pa is planning some sort of nuclear equipped tank called the Shagohod, which could end the Cold War. Um, so you sneak in through the jungle. So it's the first time you're in like kind of um, the natural world. Um, um, there's lots of animals around. And the snakes, when you see a snake, when you're creeping around in that first person view, just dude, he sends a shiver up your fucking spine, man. This game scared the shit out of me in parts for little things like that. Or when an, a crocodile would just all snap out of you out of nowhere. The only times I, I jump out of my seat or when I, I accidentally walk into a... a uh, what do you call those things? A claymore <laughs> or oh, yeah. alligators? Every time I will, I will actually make noise. Like, ah, and I'll be playing it. You know, again, like midnight. Well, I do uh, love the fact that they take. Uh, I was mentioning the details on the uh, tanker, where you have all these little things everywhere. Taking that in the natural world is such a wonderful choice because yeah. now you're the survivalist. There's natural hazards everywhere, and you got to keep your eyes open for them. You can't mm -hmm. just sprint into your uh, right. next room. Right. 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 Yeah. It's definitely a new, yeah, a new wrinkle for sure. Um, so you sneak in through the jungle, you get Sokolov, the KGB shows up, and they get killed by the GRU, uh, which, does, is that a real thing too? It's something Russian, some sort of special ops, I don't know, but uh, Major Ocelot is is part of, the, part of the squad. Here he is, young Ocelot. Um, and we should have mentioned by now, Ocelot, canonically gay, and oh, this is interesting. Sorry, I'm just looking up the answer to your question. So the GRU, GRU uh, is the Russian military intelligence, but it was founded in 1992. Hmm. So, so, I mean, so this was like in '64. The, there would not have been a GRU unless that, it's that we would know shady. about. Yeah, that exactly. We would know about that. It's a layman's. <laughs> but I think they replaced the KGB like at the, at the fall of the uh, hmm. Cold War. So, yeah. yeah okay. Who knows? Cool. Thank you. Something to keep in mind. Yeah. Uh, so it says Ocelot. So he's much younger. He's got a buzz cut. Very, uh, as I said, he's a lot more feminine. He does this kind of like a little hand thing and little. There's a literal noise of an Ocelot that gets superimposed over right. him when he hits a little yeah. claw pose. It's not quite jazz hands. It's like three <laughs> out of five fingers. Yeah. And he goes, Row! Yeah. That's how and it. it's like used as punctuation. Like he'll say something sassy and then mm -hmm. the sound will play. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And he has an it's explanation odd. of his gun that is pretty gay as well. <laughs> I think in this one too. Right, uh, something about, like, he's got it really decorated, really nice, his revolver. Mm -hmm. But the, the decorations give you no tactical advantage. <laughs> but but they look nice. Well, the first one, he has that long speech about the smell of cordite. Right. Right. Every time he fires his gun, it has a smell. And it's... Oh, man. You and when can he... feel him actually stiffening as he says right. Oh, yeah. And there's stuff about how invigorating he gets when he has to reload. And like, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. He's, yeah. he's uh, awesome. Such an absurd character. But absurd. So good. Yeah. But he's like so like key uh, to, to all of this. Yeah. So he summons the Ocelot unit to surround you. Um, uh, you use CQC. Uh, to escape with the scientist. CQC is close quarters combat, which was a, a, a form of martial arts developed by the boss, this woman, uh, who uh, I would say, if you're going to cast the boss, who's your cast for the boss? I, like, I, I always, immediately, I had this actress in mind when I saw her. Oh. You know, there's a Metal Gear Solid movie. I think we're still a ways away from when we might see the boss, if we see the boss. But who would you cast as the boss, this woman? Uh, today? Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to see what picture what Jodie Foster looks like today because yeah. she would have been my pick. Okay, a few I can years see that. back. Yeah, 
See, I see Robin Wright Penn. I've always seen Robin Wright okay. Penn uh, in, in her performance. She's got that older, but like still gorgeous, but sophisticated, but looks like she's lived a fucking life. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Um, anyways, um, but she helped you. She developed this thing with you, CQC. We learned later that you had this deep relationship with the with your with the boss um like she was like a mother to you um we'll get more into that uh, sorry about the cqc did you find it in game a difficult thing to consistently do what you wanted to hmm i found myself grabbing the person it's like oh, okay i want to interrogate them or i got do this better and that. at it. stabbing everybody yeah yeah I got... it was a. Uh... I think the face buttons of the PlayStation 3 had pressure controls. Right. So the sort of thing, if you push the button hard, you stab them in the throat. If right. you push just a little bit, you put the, th the gun knife up yeah. to their throat and, you know, question. Yeah. I did a lot less. I relied on it a lot less in this game than I would in future games when that mechanic got a lot better, right? Okay. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Again, that's a that's an infamous uh, beef with, with this game. Is that Was, uh, was this the introduction to where you could kind of more of that pressure controls right because did two did not have it as much i don't believe two had any any yeah maybe i not could be all. wrong on that but yeah. i don't believe so yeah I, yeah um so um yeah uh as you're you're escaping with a scientist you get to the bridge but all of a sudden you're confronted you're confronted by the boss uh and she tells you that she's defected to the soviet union she's with the cobra unit which is this 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 episode's Sinister Six of all the, the supervillains. And she's got some warheads. She's got two warheads she's taking with her. Or they're called Davy Crockett's. I love that. Yes. I don't know if that's a legit name, but if it's not, like, ooh, what a beauty. That, that is legit. The, uh, really? the hardware, I believe, is not as portable. I don't think it's something you can hold right. and fire out of the side of a helicopter. I think it's mm -hmm. something that would be like attached to a Jeep or something. But mm -hmm. these little... Davy Crockett's, you could just lob a mile or two Man. to create a nuclear explosion. Wild. Uh, Cold War was a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and and we meet we meet uh, the Cobra unit. We see a bunch of them in the helicopter here, but we also were introduced to. Uh, so they take Sokolov, but we're also introduced to here to, to Colonel Volgan, this uh, Russian electric lunatic. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's he's. I, I think he's meant to look Aryan. I think that's on purpose. Like, uh, he's blonde hair, blue eyes, right? Even though he's Russian. Um, but he's, like, the villain of villains in, in this game. Um, again, with a lot of gray areas. A, a, a series with gray areas. This is never a guy who's any sort of uh, sympathy for his motives or motivations, right? No, he's the, the Marlowe Stanfield of uh, the MGS universe for yeah. Wire fans out there. Very good. He yes. tells the boss to kill Snake uh when 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 he refuses to join them she breaks his arm and i remember this is just like fuck it like when it happens it's pretty ugly and throws you off the bridge but you manage to grab her bandana a significant oh, yes. like symbol um you survive but uh the uh the fall at the end of the bridge though is where uh, an interesting point happens as well so you fall you're thrown off this bridge several hundred feet hit the water you sort of uh float drift. off onto yep. the bank there if you end the game at this point, if you turn the power off and turn it back on, there is a 15% chance or something like that of the game booting into a nightmare you're having whilst you're sitting there recovering on the beach. Oh, really? Because I know yeah. there's a nightmare that comes later as well that was removed from the HD uh, thing. I know there is a nightmare. 
that comes when you're sleeping in a different part. I don't know if it was this game too, or this oh, okay. part. Okay, I thought it was. Well. I thought it was this, where it's the Devil May Cry type. Yeah, game. that that was a, like again like a demo for something that would come later. Yeah, it's like really fucked up, right? Yes, yes. No, yeah. it's very bizarre. I thought yeah. it was here, but I could be wrong yeah. about. It. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah. So you're you're yeah you're brushed down. You're washed down the river. Um, uh, but uh, you survive. But Volgan decides to test a nuke on a on a research facility. Boom! There's a huge mushroom cloud. We learn like like this is the inciting incident, like kind of thing. And like, whoa! What the hell? This was what I just spent the first two hours of this game on. And then you cut to maybe the highest point, the, maybe the high point of the entire series, the Snake Eater theme song. It is. As good as any James Bond theme, at least. Uh, I've, I've rewatched a lot of James Bond recently, and I put yeah. Snake Eater above a lot of them. I think so too. Like everyone remembers fucking Thunderball, sure. Yeah, or, but or, or, I or mean, Goldfinger, like yeah. it's right up there with that, and it's so um, uh, deliberate in like it, it's wearing it on its sleeve that mm -hmm. we are we are being a James that's got bam like it is so awesome and a great opening sequence that you hadn't you didn't get yet when you had started the game before but from this point on when you start the game you do get the snake eater uh entrance theme so Which is i love a nice it. touch that's such a great reveal man and it's all like it um it's it's so good i highly recommend everyone look up if nothing else look up the snake eater uh opening uh and hear the song and and see the opening because it's here we go right this yeah, is what I mean. Like, like if you show this to, like, as I'd show this to an average, uh, anybody who kind of plays, you know, somebody who's played like, uh, who's into Red Dead or um, um, uh, The Last of Us or whatever, here's a game. Okay, here, you're going to have a good time with this one too. Uh, and it's when they're going to get to this moment. Like, oh my God, that theme song, dude. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, and it keeps showing up. And every time it does, it's yeah, another we'll one of those fist pumps. We'll yeah, I know, I know, I know. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the aftermath of the explosion, uh, Premier Khrushchev, this is great. This is the most historical fiction it really gets involving like real life uh, people. Um, and he calls President Johnson and tensions are high. The U.S. reputation is on the line. Because, and in order to avoid World War III, Snake is sent to assassinate all of the Cobra unit. It's, it's, it's insinuated he's meant to eliminate Volgan, but he has to eliminate the boss. Um, mm -hmm. That's the big thing, because um, it's the only way they can save face, because it looks like, because it was a U.S. warhead that blew up a Russian uh, thing, right? So they have yes. to find a way to, to tell this story uh, so it, so it kind of calms things down, because there's no way that Russians can't res respond to something like that. You just dropped a nuke on our weapons the facility. That's insane. That's an I act of war. the cynicism. <laughs> of the whole thing too, where right at the beginning, they're saying your whole mission, everything that you're about to do, all of this killing and yep. adventure and all this is going to be to save face so that everyone who understands what's going on can sell what's not going on to the people. Amazing, and right? And tying into and it, where that's going to lead at the right. end of number two in and the it, future. Right, and it comes directly after a failed mission called the Virtuous Mission. Yeah. At the beginning here, he's like this, 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 like I'm a, I'm a good soldier. I can do this, and he's kind of got more of a thing. But here's the first kind of, huh? Really? That's what you need me to do? 
Um, and so. I think the jungle setting helps that too. The moral ambiguity that we're so used to with specifically Vietnam and Indochina and all of mm -hmm. that. I, mean, yeah. I know this is Soviet Union, so you're not dealing with that type of thing, but it just gives yeah. you that feeling of everything's morally gray in the jungle. Nobody can see what you're up to. Yeah, so uh, so USSR gives them the names of the contacts, Adam and Eva, to begin Operation Snake Eater. So this is August 30th, 1964. We, we don't get the exact date of the... I think I think it's like two weeks have passed, or not a lot of time have passed since this like really bad injury, but he's a fast healer, as we know. Uh, first objective is to rendezvous with this Adam, uh, but you run into the boss and her horse as you're walking around. And again, and like... This comes out of nowhere, too. It's like, okay, we're back into this game. Got to get some more gameplay after we've just had a theme song, a little more exposition and everything, and they've set everything up, another long cutscene. And then she comes at you again with her horse. And it's like, it's meant, like, this is feeling like I should be paying attention. It's like, and, and it's really serious. Um, and I remember she says, she, she kicks your ass again, I, I think, right? Uh, yeah, it's like she beats the shit out of you again and and like and like get, fucks up one of your guns and says y You gotta leave or I'll, I'll kill you next time and she leaves with the horse um, It's interesting that the pacing there is really but it's it works. It works for the the story they're telling um, You 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 go searching for Adam, but Eva shows up uh, on her motorcycle This is the first time we meet Eva mm -hmm. and this she is oh, I guess we've We've danced. We haven't really mentioned directly how uh, Kojima's relationship with females and the male gaze. Yeah, they they have a button for male gaze. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they have a button for male gaze. They literally do. And Eva is kind of the first uh, or most overt kind of where my wife like there's times in this game in all of these games where I'm like I'm so glad my wife is not in this room right now. <laughs> Uh, and Eva's one of the first things where she's she's based on she's a Bond girl, right? Yep. But um, where she's kind of got she's wearing her army fatigues, but it's always zipped down, so you can always see her bikini top underneath. And there's no um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no um, utile reason for this. <laughs> there's no there's no. no yeah. I mean, it gets worse. Yeah, I don't want to bring oh. in Metal Gear Five. But yep. Oh yeah, of like course. The first one you have the button where you can stare at Meryl's ass as she's yeah. walking, and yeah. then there's at least the. It's like, oh wow, well, that's a funny walk for a soldier. That's not the way a fellow walks. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's, a, there's, um, a, there's a point of in it. Yeah. Sort of. I don't remember ish. if they did much of that in two at all. And then there's the Eva, uh, there's, there's the lot. hidden there's the hidden um um. Like I said, like pictures of like the Japanese pinup girls and things. Oh, and uh, uh, infamously, our boy can play with himself in the bathroom too. Right? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I think it's of just that. it's just like kind of a deep breathing. It's not an overt uh, kind of shaky <laughs> shake, but I assume uh, they have to keep it fairly PG. Yeah, yeah. But he always has that kind of Japanese pervert, that brand of Japanese. Pervert yeah. Although this, I mean, even though you have literally the button to like look at her ass when she's not looking at you. The fact that it's a the '60s, um, and watching those bonds from the '60s, that sort of thing happens a lot, so it mm -hmm. plays into that motif pretty yep. well. Yep, for, it and works the fact a bit that better. She will catch you and chastise you. Yeah, yeah. I think is a nice touch. Yeah, so yeah. it's that. Yep. The Pierce Brosnan bonds, where it's like, oh, you know, feminism's a thing now, so yeah, you can't yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. 
ish 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 <laughs> but throwing that back to the 60s a little bit i think makes the eva character a little bit better rather right. than if they yep. tried to totally sanitize yep. it yep she's not as uh it's not it doesn't feel as much as like a boom here's the here's the sex object boys well because <laughs> like, she's the evil bond girl right she's yep. not the arm candy she's the femme fatale yeah so she's yep. capable and competent and sexy is yep. just another part, bullet point part of the, the deal list. not yep. the only thing yeah um so she looks, uh, she shows up on her motorcycle. This motorcycle become a big part of this series. She looks uh, out for Snake while he rests and gives him a scientist disguise. This may have been where I think the, the dream might have happened or it might have been a different part. Uh, when you wake up, uh, you can look, you can really look at her butt when she's getting dressed. Uh, you get more trouble with Ocelot unit and you have an Ocelot boss battle here. Um, and this is when he's really like getting invigorated while he reloads and that reloading doesn't look so much like reloading from behind. Uh, it's a single shot revolver. You got to yeah. put them in one at a time. You're not just slapping a clip in. You got to exactly. really work it. It's a That's lot of risk. So, action. so invigorating. Um, uh, and it's a good boss battle, but, uh, a swarm of, after you beat him, a swarm of hornets attacks you and it leads you down to fall down this cave and it's a super dark. I remember this, um, just like it's. It's challenging and you kind of feel like I have no idea where I'm going, but eventually you figure it out and you have your first uh, encounter with the Cobra unit with a guy named the pain. Who's all bees. Mm -hmm. Who are you going to send the guy, who, the bees, the dogs who bark bees out of their mouth or whatever. Um, and he just looks gross. Um, Cause he's been, he's been stung a few times. Um, Is but, he like part hive as well. Doesn't he have yeah. bits growing on him. Yeah. Or something like this. Um, um, but um, yeah, I don't remember this being, incredibly challenging but again it's the first guy um but you tend to your wounds and you emerge from the cave uh you're approaching a, a warehouse and you witness a scene with the boss and here you see another member of the, the guy the end who we'll hear learn more about as well mm -hmm. ocelot sokolov and tatiana a new blonde with them uh, and this and is where we have our optional fight scene with the that's end. right yeah yes. yeah the, 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 you you could technically zoom in the murder the end here and not have to have the boss scene it's it's one of two ways to get around fighting the end yes uh uh, uh, uh but uh, yeah i've seen i've seen yeah the clips of it. it's not any you have like a it's really like a brief window where you have a chance to take them out i think it's a really nice combination of easy and difficult in that you know it's you get your one shot to do it, and if yeah. you can pull it off, great. But mechanically, it's not crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, this is the first time you see Ocelot kind of trying out his Russian roulette, this kind of thing where he's spit flipping the things. He puts one bullet in and starts taking random shots. Um, you put on the you put on the scientist outfit that was given to you by uh, 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 Eva that looks hilarious, and you meet with a hammered Doctor Grainen. He's the fa facilities director. Uh, and he's choked at Volgan for developing Shagohod instead of Metal Gear. This is the first time. So I'm, I'm guessing this is the first time in like the 60s that you've heard about this Metal Gear. It's just this really drunk Russian guy. It's a really interesting. Like this guy, I think he knows his days are numbered, right? Or he thinks he knows that his his ticket's about to get checked. Somebody's coming to kill him. Um, so he doesn't even know it's, or he doesn't even care. And he's kind of just telling them about all these secrets. Um, and on the way out, Snake is attacked by the fear um the fear is a guy who kind of looks like he's kind of got like a uh salt and pepper i kind of read richards on the side uh, he's, he's really lanky and he kind of crawls around like a spider monkey and he just shoots arrows at you a ton of arrows mm -hmm. and this is something like i was still playing here still figuring out the gameplay and you can this is a game where you can heal yourself like you have these these things to when you've been shot you kind of find a safe place and you can put on a uh 
you dig it out with your knife and add some antiseptic and a bandage and a splint or whatever. And I hadn't figured out how to remove uh, arrows. And if you don't remove the arrows here, you can't remove the arrows after this fight. So for the rest really? of my game, and it's kind of become a thing for like these Metal Gear Solid players who like to see how many arrows you can get in you after actually defeating the, 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 the what's his name? The fear. And I wasn't even trying to do it. And I had like for the rest of the game, a good half dozen arrows sticking out of my head, sticking out of my leg. That's <laughs> hilarious. I know. Um, it, yeah. So you get a message from Eva right after you beat him. You go um, to the peak of the mountain. That's where you're supposed to meet him. But first you have to defeat the end. Here's a So the end is like this ancient dude who just barely moves, but he's a sniper. And he's got a, he's got weirdly, he has the same parrot that Hal had a breakdown about. That's a weird kind of connection to Metal Gear Solid. The literal same parrot? Yeah, it is. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they have all those weird little connections. Um, I guess. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Um, um, but so here's the thing. So it's really, here's the thing. It's really difficult. I mean, it's not like you just have to be super quiet and sneak up to him. And if he finds you, he'll, he'll get you. If you get hit twice, you get dragged all the way back to a cell and it takes forever to come back. It happened to me two times. Oh, no. Um, and it just like, yeah, that, like that's what I'm talking about. Like that going back to get the sniper rifle, even that's part of the game. This is a part of the game where I was just like, fuck this. Um, but I, uh, I uh, yeah you 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 kill him you get rid of him the other way you could kill him you know the the other way to yes yeah, yeah so you, you could uh, go, go ahead you turn off your uh you save the game and then you move the date to head on your PlayStation one day later and then when you play again it's as though a day has passed and he just died of natural causes yeah he's very very old <laughs> he's very old but uh, I I really do like this boss battle and for yep. me this was. In terms of the boss fight, probably the centerpiece of the game. Hmm. Um, I think, I mean, maybe it's just my own experience because it was a, you know, I beat it in the one try, but it was probably 45 minutes right. of hiding and a shot landing near me and then panicking and hiding behind a tree. Right. Yeah. You get the thermal specs out and you can mm -hmm. sort of see his footprints, footprints. where he was. Yeah. Um, oh, you can yeah, hear occasional requires... noises of him muttering. Right. There's, There's so much Up patience. until that point, everything was like a, a gunfight or yeah. a boss battle where you run around and you don't get hit by these things. This one, I actually felt like I was doing the, the art of sniping, right? Mostly being still and listening and watching mm -hmm. and very occasionally sprinting out of the way or trying to shoot something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was something that for a mainstream game like that to get across was really, really impressive mm -hmm. because it involves a lot of doing nothing. Mm -hmm. and uh and just waiting waiting yeah, yeah really taking your spot yeah um so yeah then you go from there you you get to the next to, to the facility where you're supposed to where you need to get to and you have uh another boss fight with the fury who reminds me of like um kind of the aesthetic of mysterio but kind of like a um he's all fire right he's just constantly shooting you with like these flamethrowers and shit um i remember well, the that. original plot uh involved a lot more to have was more space race focused oh yeah um so because he's think, an astronaut right yeah, yeah. he's an astronaut with a big flamethrower or some sort of thing like that and i mm -hmm. feel that they do him... mention the space race in parts uh of okay. this like i think what's her name the boss is revealed to be one of the first experiments or experimental kids sent off into space by the end um, but yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So he was from an earlier version where there was a lot more of a space theme. Cause mm. in this one, it feels like he's kind of out of nowhere. 
like right. the, the X-Men always are, but this yeah. one in particular, he's got a full space suit. He's very clearly themed, yeah. but for a theme that doesn't have much to do with right. jungle. I remember espionage. hearing somebody said, so they're all got these names, the, the fever, the fury, the fury, the end and the sorrow that they're all like different stages of grief. Right. Okay. And the boss was originally, is also known as the joy. Right. Yes. Um, so I don't know how, how she fits into things, but, but this is all, you know, what's his name is, is he's becoming disillusioned, right? Um, our, our snake here, right? So it makes sense that this is what he's having to go through, um, these characters. You briefly meet with Eva, who is, uh, she's a little scarred from Volgan, so you can tell something's been going on when she's behind the scenes there. Uh, we don't really know that she, where she's scarred, or where the scars are from. Actually, we should know that, that they're from Volgan. We don't know that she's kind of working behind the scenes yet. You got to head to Groznygrad. I like that uh, name. Snake uh, finds Sokolov, but is captured. And Volgan has already killed uh, the the drunk doctor. That guy from this is a, a killer cinematic. This one is a yes, big part I was of the. Going to uh, make a mention of this. Yeah, uh, that um, uh, a big part of the history, right? The well, uh, the opening. So this is the one with the uh, the barrel, right, where he's punching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It opens where he's just pummeling this oh uh, 55 gallon oil drum yeah. like it's a heavy bag just yeah. beating the shit out of it with his magical lightning powers yeah. and he's doing this for a while as i believe there's some narration or something yeah. and then he stops for a minute and then you see that the drum starts to bleed and then you find out that some poor sucker was inside it yeah. as a torture execution just yeah. evil guy doing evil things yeah. fun device it is um, it, yeah oh yeah and then you also, get you get the should be that pretty good too but also right before this we have the famous ladder oh um, my god did, did, did that already happen no that's right after the fury is it not i uh, oh yeah i guess you're right shoot uh yeah, i thought it was after we escaped okay are, are we still underground then yes i think it's after okay. you escape yeah yeah oh okay I, I, don't you worry well okay that's right ladder, I'm pretty sure, i mean i might be getting it wrong like i'm going to i'm going half through wikipedia half through the metal gear wiki half through these other things just to get uh to get down as many of the key points but i, mean, I might be right we'll get to the ladder don't worry as long as we do <laughs> yeah because uh, this is a really uh this is an important key scene just in terms or cinematic in terms of the lore because you are you're tortured you're getting tortured again but it's against 1960s torture you're just kind of tied to in this room with a bag over your head and it get, just getting the shit beat out of you it is rough man it is rough and, and excessive and you can and you and um eva comes in and um volgan has already killed that doctor and he kills sokolov during during the time when you're here and he starts torturing you. There's a weird thing where you can press L1 and suddenly you see a ghost of the sorrow holding up a number of a, a codec that you're going to have to remember, which is weird, kind of comes out of nowhere kind of thing. Um, um, but when he starts uh, torturing you and beating the shit out of you, Ocelot starts to suspect Tatiana as not being who she is. And he starts doing his Russian roulette thing with her where he's got one bullet and he's flipping them around and, and Snake sees this and knows that she's in trouble. So he kicks, or just, he doesn't know who she is, but I guess he's just this good guy. Doesn't want to see a woman get killed here. And he kicks at the gun, uh, leading to him getting shot in the eye. And we see where uh, this character loses his eye and where the eye, uh, the eye patch is later to, to come. Um, but yeah, that cuts to Snake is in prison. And he has to break out of prison by... How does he break out? Can you remember? Is it the uh, the you same skip. as he does in the first one? Basically. With oh, the this time, only this time you keep... He keeps... you. 
he keeps giving you stuff to eat, like different rations, and you keep throwing them out to him. He's like, oh, thank you. And after three, he's like, oh, my God, I got diarrhea. And <laughs> this time you can really hear it, and it's just excessive. It's coming out, and it just goes for so long. But again. Yeah, no, I I remember the, the ketchup one from the first one, something we didn't mention, which is a great little scene right. where you're in jail. You pour a bunch of ketchup on the floor and just lie down prone, face down in this pile of ketchup. <laughs> yes. And the guard, oh, I guess he's hurt. Better yeah, get him out. Yeah, genius. Um, so... Uh, so before he gets to Groznygrad, here's what you have to go through the sewer system and encounter the, the sorrow. I feel like this is before the, the ladder. Um, it's a weird level. Um, so you remember this, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so you're walking through, it's really spooky. Um, Eva, Eva finds you and gives you an eye patch. <clears throat> Anyways, for the, for this whole sorrow thing, you're just, you're, it's not really a boss battle as you just see every person you have killed up until this point in the game kind of comes at you while you're walking through this kind of ghost story kind of sewer, right? Yeah, it's like and, a river and all these yeah. corpses are coming downstream and you got to push yeah. through them. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, though, if you're doing the no-kill version, you mm-hmm. can just walk through and it's right. a completely empty river because you have not killed Wild. anyone. I think you still see the bosses because you have to kill the bosses in one form or another. But yeah, I heard that as Even well. Even if you drank them? I think so. Okay. I think so. Anyways, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. We should. The, the we haven't even talked about the the no kill option through this and the the extra challenge you can give yourself. But well, and the extra rewards that come from right, it. right. That's true. Eva. Uh, so Eva finds. Well, we you haven't gives... even talked about camouflage. Should, should we talk about camouflage for? A oh second? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and this is intro to to, to this game in, uh, specifically. Yeah. So uh, yeah. in this one, they introduce the idea of wearing different uh, clothing for camouflage. And like you said before, you're wearing the scientist clothing, which I think gives you sort of hitman style bonuses where you're just not suspicious if you look like you're wearing the correct garb for a correct place, mm-hmm. despite the rest of your body being very suspicious. Yes. But when you're out in the woods or the, the jungle, rather, there's a number of different camouflages you can wear, which are selected from your inventory as you mm-hmm. get them. And they work better in different types of foliage. So there'll be some, you know, autumn leaves, which is good for going up against certain types of tree or bark. And then other ones that are for deep jungle that are more green. You have, Mm -hmm. I believe, ones that are pure black for if you're hiding in shadows, et cetera. Yeah, Yeah. or stuff that even works better with like the ruins, like kind of blends with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So any texture that you might find yourself up against, there's a matching camouflage or several. Yeah. And you have, and that's a new uh, mechanic in the game is that, that camo percentage up in the wall as to how much you've blended into the the your surroundings here while the people are, or while the guards are around or wherever it is you're sneaking. Yeah, you can recreate that famous Rambo scene where he's up against the mud wall and the guard walks past and the eyes just open, right? <laughs> you can do that sort of thing, which is or really is that- great. Was that uh, Predator or uh, I'm thinking of Predator when he covers himself in blood or mud and uh, yes, yes. Then he, then he's uh, invisible thermally. I, yes, I mean, I yes. think they're very similar. Of scenes. course, of course. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's this whole element of being stealthy out in the open because there's not as much cover right. or right. corners to go camel, around anymore. Yeah, and that camel becomes uh, more significant in some of the in the next couple next two games to come for sure next mm-hmm. Kojima games. And when you tranquilize a boss, most of the time they give you a unique camo as a right. reward, right. which I is often very very useful or yeah. just something that they would wear uh so you can look really baller. Mhm. Mhm. Um so uh 
So Eva finds you, gives you an eye patch. You try to catch a butterfly and miss. That's an important moment because you can't <laughs> see as well. Some suggestive scenes between the two of you. And she rides away on her motorcycle and she leaves. And Snake leaves through a tunnel until he reaches, here it is, yes, a ladder. Yes. It is. Uh, and it, at the time, you don't think much of it. Just got to climb up this ladder climb when you reach the ladder. it. No big and deal. this ladder goes on for like as long as the song snake eater basically because as you climb you start to hear her but it's the acapella version and it fades in after about a minute or two so you're just clink clank clink clank and you start to hear something and you're not it's like is there something else going and you hear that it's a little bit of that theme and when you finally pop your head off the top of that manhole at snake eater it's incredible the bomb that's that's the high the loading scene right or that must be what's going on there. I would imagine. I don't know. It's the days the before elevator best. rides. It's it's, it's such best. a great scene, it's... and it's one of those times where, if it is to hide a loading screen, yeah. the necessity just breeding something that is so great, so memorable that a more powerful machine that didn't require that would never have done. Mm-hmm. But you know, this PS2 is getting a little old. We're gonna have to <laughs> cut a few corners here. What can we do here? Oh, just make the ladder really long. Oh, yeah, all right, fine, so whatever. Good. So good. Uh, wonderful, um, wonderful moment. Yeah. So Snake returns to Groznygrad to destroy Shagahod. Uh, really funny new disguise in that. Remember, is this, I think this is when he had, is, was this when he had to dress like um, Volgan's lover, who looks like Raiden, I think. Is that really? That's a kind of a cringy kind of. Um, there is a small bit of homophobia in this game that isn't as rampant in the other ones. Um, it comes with this, but you know, it's not a huge thing. But it is with that bit. Um, oh, so so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is where. Oh, this is when he's got a new disguise where he looks like I'm just like a. Uh, worker number three kind of thing with glasses mm-hmm. and he just has to go around and plant some c3s to to blow up the shagahod in this thing but he's eventually confronted by volgan anyways um ocelot is there and and it comes in with eva who's been outed as a spy she was uh, tatiana he knows because she she smelled of motor oil that's a nice touch because she was always riding that motorcycle um so here's where volgan tells his evil plan and explains who the philosophers are so USA, China, and the Soviet Union, this group, about how they formed a pact to, uh, uh, after, after World War One or World War II, and create a t- new world order. They amassed $100 billion, but after the war, infighting divided the legacy, the funds that, that they'd put together, and Volgan had illegally inherited it. And the U.S. wants it. And apparently that's the main reason why um, Snake was sent there, because he they want him to figure out how to get it. So we have this Volgan boss fight. This one's great. Um, Ocelot is up from the top. He's overhead and he's just kind of neutral. This is interesting. He's like kind of, and he kind of helps snake out a bit. Like here, try this out kind of thing. He's kind of, he wants to see how this ends up. Um, but you, you end up defeating uh, Volgan and uh, the hangar starts to explode. Uh, Eva shows up on her motorbike and uh, with, she's got the little sidecar and you climb aboard as the Shagohad emerges from the hangar, driven by Volgan, and this is like the action sequence um, of the of the game, man. You're getting that you're getting that kind of off the back that you got at the end of Metal Gear Solid, where you're firing at everything, but mm-hmm. there's more. There's guards. You're you're also having to fight the Shagohad. It's a more it's a bigger part of the game that that mechanic here. All of a sudden, it's involved uh, more, and you have to do a bit more. It's less. 
kind of a free fun moment, but it's still a ton of fun when it comes here because the cinematics are mixed in with it. It's very big, but it's not as much of an arcade ride. Yeah. You still have to be aware and worried about yourself. Yeah. But it's like, again, that music is pumping, the explosions are going, it's mixed in with those great cinematics. This is where it's really taken off and feeling like like this kind of, that a great James Bond movie, but with that kind of weird kind of sci-fi twist. Mm-hmm. Um, emerge, uh, Shagohad emerges from the hangar, driven by Volgan. Awesome chase scene around the hangar, reminiscent, again, as the uh, end of Metal Gear Solid, as I said. It ends with an extended boss fight against the Shagohad. Again, really, really challenging, but super fun. Volgan is killed by a bolt of lightning after all this, because this guy is unbeatable. Uh, Snake and Eva flee, but she ends up getting impaled. Uh, she falls on a like a log, a big massive stick up through her, and you gotta, now it's just kind of like with Eva, where you kind of have to drag her a little bit, and you walk slowly. But she finds a wig, a W-I-G, which is like that half plane, half vehicle thing. But before they can get on it to escape, Snake has to have this fight with the boss. This is the final boss fight. I've heard this, many people say, among the best fight, best boss fight in the history of video games. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's... It's painful because she's explained to you this is what we have to do. We play our parts here. You have to kill me here. Um, and as that for going, and again, it's challenging. As again, you got to move around and you know use. Well, aesthetically, it's also just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. She's wearing all that. white. You're yeah. in this field of waist high white flowers. flowers. So if you drop to your knee to try and get a shot at her, you can only just see little ghosty bits of her. Yeah. If you stand up, she'll shoot you immediately. Yeah. So you need to be rolling around and sort of yeah. firing at what you think yeah. is there. Finding the, finding and, the uh, Yeah, it is, it's such a gut punch because you fight her, you... Yeah. But wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. The snake eater theme comes up again and yes. plays in it in full during your during your fight because, again, you know, it's just like... And it, like, I really rushed a lot from that, but there is quite a bit of space between this and the ladder here. So it's not like, mm-hmm. boy, they're hitting this again, because it does come again. Like, yes, hit me with that theme one last time here, man. For no, this. for sure. Yeah, and that goes on all the way until you've beaten her. And at the end, she's lying down in this field of flowers. Well, it's it's such a dick move on Kojima's part. And yep. I, I thought this at the time, and I still do now. You have the fight. You already know that it's not like she's the mother figure. She's yeah. not obviously evil. Vulgan was evil. He's dealt with. Yeah. Now you got to sort of do this cleanup that nobody really wants to, but everyone has to. She explains the plot in detail as to why she feels that she has to be the sacrificial pawn, how she was never really betraying the yeah. US. It's just part of an even bigger plan mm-hmm. on and on and on. She's completely innocent. The world's biggest hero, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then learn it cuts more about to, that later, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it cuts to uh, you, your like player view holding a trembling gun to her head yeah. and it just sits there. And, it's and that's like, when I said, Oh, Kojima, you dick, you're going to make me pull the yeah, trigger myself. I know. I said it out loud. <laughs> you're going to make me pull the trigger. You're going to make me pull the trigger. It's such a brilliant, small decision, but Oh my God, it's the one that stuck with me for years yeah, and years. I hear you, man. It's so heavy. It's beautiful. It gives me chills just thinking about it. And right after you do it, all of the, like this, this, this color of red just floods over the, um, it's beautiful aesthetic choice that floods over all of the, uh, the, the, the flower bed and all the white flowers. It's gorgeous. It's among the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen in video games. It's so gorgeous, man. And yeah. Just, 
uh, and a wonderful finish to the story. It's kind of the way it had to go. Um, so, yeah, you leave with the microfilm. You have one more, as you're on this plane and you're having to fight away, you have one more interaction with Ocelot where you play the game, we play one more Russian roulette. And I remember I just clicked. I didn't know what to do, but I think you're just supposed to, it's better if you just leave it. But you know, nothing really happens, and he just kind of like, huh, all right, well, perhaps we'll meet again. And he jumps off kind of thing, right? So you know that he's going to be around. Um, even you uh, you go back to Eva's place, a really nice place, kind of that 60s kind of art deco, kind of like burnt fireplace. You sleep together. Uh, the next morning, she's left and taken the microfilm, taken the, the legacy. She play, You play back the tape. You're smoking a cigar. That's the difference here between uh, this snake and our, our snake later is uh, later snake loves the, the darts. This guy loves cigars the, yes. in the 60s. Smoking a cigar, playing back the old uh, the old school tape that you get in these movies. Uh, we learn that number one, Eva is a spy for China. And number two, the boss didn't actually defect. She was, and this is where we learn all that info. She was infiltrating to bring the legacy back to the U.S., but because of Volgan's attack, the boss had to be seen as a traitor to prove the U.S.'s innocence. Um, so it's just tragic. She was, a, she was a hero to the end, we know this. And it cuts to a medal ceremony with President Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson, and others, including Zero, Paramedic, and Signet, all the people who you've been on the phones with. There's a way you can do that kind of view thing. And you do see Ocelot waiting outside, giving you the little salute. Um, <laughs> um, he's like, I'm still watching you, pal. Um, and you are here's where you are officially given the title of big boss. So it's like, oh shit, the, like like, um, and um, uh, you're given a medal as well. This is a real medal, and you walk out without shaking Zero's hand. That's a big thing. Is like uh, they're trying to like, hey, it's a big ceremony, but you, this is not. It's not a. He's not happy. Snake is not happy, or big boss is not happy as we know him now. And we have final scene at the cer at the cemetery where he salutes his fallen hero or his fallen uh, mentor, um, and a, a single tear runs down Mister Stoic's cheek. It's beautiful. So good. Um, and yeah, we get this. I, I don't know. Is this the? F oh no, we were getting this in Metal Gear Solid Two where you get those dates. I like that where they include like the dates of these actual events mixed in with the events of Metal Gear Solid. Uh, uh, and but uh, this time it's to, oh this is where you get that Star Sailor song Way to Fall which is gorgeous and again adds a, a, a lot of emotional weight uh, to the end of this game too um, and so the post credit phone call is Ocelot he was Adam the whole time Eva took the fake legacy he has half with the KGB and the US has the other half so this it's far from over so I mean but it is over because it, it kind of felt like this this could have been enough, right? Metal Gear Solid 2 was supposed to be the last Hideo Kojima game, and it feels like uh, by the end, he's kind of washing his hands from it. This one, he wasn't supposed to have anything to do with, um, and I think that, that, that that's the only real kind of meta element to this is that they had started working on something for a little while, and they had really good ideas about what it was going to be, but it kind of fell apart. So he just jumped in and did the last 90 minutes or 90% of the thing. So I guess essentially the virtuous mission was essentially them trying to do something that was going to work. And maybe I think this is kind of the start of his feud with Konami. This is just what I'm kind of putting together here over over the years. But uh, this, like, I don't know. You tell me, like, to me, this feels like this could have been enough. I like that they still made more. 
but we get enough there to feel like, oh, so this was the birth of uh, a guy we knew who was kind of the villain. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like in terms of the core story, this could have been it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the way media is, you never leave an IP alone. But if you can just do other things in this world, you know, an, an Ocelot game or an Eva game or whatever, you can right. really branch out because now you have the 60s through to the near future. You can yeah. fill in whatever you want with your spy uh, tactical espionage action. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I feel like the the snake core story, you know, the Skywalker saga is over at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, four didn't sit very well with me from yeah. what little I played. Yeah. And five was a great game. But for a Kojima Metal Gear game, I found myself ignoring the story a lot more than I wanted to. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll get into it later. I think I think it's on purpose that that story, I think that in a way that's his kind of ride in, in, in Metal Gear Solid 5 is that all of a sudden it's a game that isn't story driven and is meant to kind of be more i think it's on purpose that it has less of a narrative i know it's unfinished famously and stuff i don't know mm -hmm. i'll talk more about it but i think that's kind of part of what the phantom pain is right is that i think it's him uh, recognizing that i i want to let go of this thing and i'm having a hard time letting go of this thing uh whether or not it's because of of uh, outside forces or my own creative impulses but i can imagine if like for all these different fans who have who have been vocal as we've said over the years it's going to be hard for you to let go of this thing and that's yeah. what i think that's what i think phantom pain is and i think it's meant to be um that's part of it is it's meant to be um something that's not it's yes it's incomplete but I think incomplete for a lot of reasons. Did you ever read? Uh, I'm gonna. I mean, like I said, I'll get into this next time, and we're getting near the end here. Um, but the thin red line, like you know how that doesn't really have a narrative. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's kind of. I've never heard him say that directly as a, as an inspiration for Phantom Pain. But I think that's that's kind of part of what he was going for, and also because it's like this kind of, you don't know what is repressed memories and what isn't uh, mm. kind of thing i think that plays into it as well um anyways i find uh, it funny that we went from james cameron to terrence malick as far yeah. as what to rip off for a triple a <laughs> action game yeah <laughs> wow yeah so that's uh Metal Gear solid three anything you want to say about that um that we haven't already touched on one small thing is the survival elements that were much touted uh, right. before the game launched that didn't end up playing into it that much so you can kill Snakes. most any animal and mm -hmm. consume them yeah um you have i think just like an energy bar that goes down over time yeah that's not... that calorie mate which you yeah, can it, it doesn't go down very quickly it's not very necessary yeah. um interesting though and neat that they were doing this well before that big survival boom like you go on steam right now and every second game requires you to be crafting and making sure that you're hydrated and hmm. all of these things that i don't do in real life yeah um and so to be <laughs> doing that in a console game in 2004 i think is pretty good um he definitely has his eye on the next next thing which sometimes can hurt him because he's not right now he's not in tune right um but i mean like the plot of two you know it's much more relevant now than it probably was then mm -hmm. um and even little things like he was doing the or wanting to do the open world he did in five with three uh i was reading an interview with him this afternoon oh yeah where he was saying that he wants the base to be in the deep jungle somewhere and for you as a single unbroken thing to have to infiltrate your way into the base and yeah. then start the mission and then infiltrate your way out Wow. And he sort of got that with five. 
Yeah. Um, but again, that's, you know, every Ubisoft game is doing that. I mean, infiltrating your way in an open world to a base and getting out, mm -hmm. super common thing that he was looking forward to 15 years before it became common. So mm -hmm. I say good on the man. Uh, I haven't played Death Stranding yet. Yeah. I don't know about it, but yeah. uh, I I'm will give it a shot like one day. I've, 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 I've probably spent about three hours into it. Um, it's headphones and um, your favorite strain for sure. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. I like with that, like if, if you're, if you want to just dive in uh, and, and let it kind of take you away. And if you're again, patient, as you know, cause it takes like, as you've heard the, uh, then it, then it it's pretty it's been pretty rewarding so far. I haven't I haven't put I haven't spent a ton of time on it, but uh, I like where it's going. Are we gonna um, get a, a podcast submit some doing the full summation of Kojima at some point? Maybe maybe we'll come back. <laughs> I don't know. This is not even close to my youth now, dude. I'm like on the downward spiral. That's, that's true. Point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as we said, this is like, uh, we, we've, we, this is easily the longest show we've done because we covered a lot of ground here, man. I appreciate you for sticking around, but before we go, I did ask you yes. one, uh, the, the one thing that I ask of everybody on this show, it's been a while since I've asked anybody this question, as you know, mm. can you name me your top five extreme songs? I can. I, I would also like to see, uh, what the other guests have picked okay so i want to know if i'm being cool and underground in the or same if ballpark I'm being trite and uh i don't think there's any right or wrong answers <laughs> well i haven't read mine out yet so okay. uh the way it went down is i listened to the pod or the uh the playlist you gave me mm -hmm. had 20 songs mm -hmm. and i didn't intend to do it this way but two of them i liked more than the rest okay. without any particular reason two had very particular reasons and one i thought was just a uh, head and shoulders above the rest so great uh, Rest in Peace mm -hmm. and Cynical were Ooh. both ones that I liked. Okay. And, you know, they were good. If your average is a 50, these were a 70. They okay. were good, but nothing super specific. Okay. Um, I'm a big metal guy, so I thought I would like the really heavy ones, but one that surprised me a lot was Take Us Alive. Uh, very bluegrassy, both in guitar and vocals. I thought it was excellent the drums right. and the breakdown were really really good and i think that might surprise the hell out of me yeah for, for the and that came so late in their career this kind of little gem it, it feels like a song that's been around forever you know what i mean yep so i don't really know their uh discography too well this yeah. is from like outside of their prime then oh yeah yeah like this is after they've you know post what's his face doing uh van halen and they've already done their own things they decided to put together this was maybe 2008 they'd put out oh, an album. oh wow okay yeah um, Interesting, and, and it's much more. It's much less like at the beginning there. They're all that kind of sleaze metal and uh, the the kind of hair uh, kind of thing, and then pornography was totally the kind of the commentary on that. It's a thing, and then they went more prog for mm -hmm. their their third one, which at the when I was a kid, I was loving that. Um, and then four was after because because that flopped because that was coming out when grunge was hitting. Their fourth one was their kind of grunge album, and then they kind of disbanded, and they all came back. And then that fifth one is it's just full of classic rock, um, and uh, and that and that kind of just doing different kind of pastiches like that like what you mentioned there that uh, the live that really it hits man it does yep. yeah like I said I was very surprised with it. Yep. Uh, and then the other one that I thought was you know, tier two there was get the funk out. Mm -hmm. uh, the solo 
out of control out, out of control. control legendary um and yeah the whole time i was thinking you could put this on a faith no more or a living cuddler album and i would not be able to tell the difference and cool. i say that as a very high compliment awesome that you could sneak it on there awesome that was really good awesome and then uh the final one the one that i enjoyed the most was it's a monster hmm. and i feel it's sort of the one that's for the me you know the guy that likes the metal full of pinch right. harmonics another just upsetting solo yeah. uh the breakdown as a whole with all the drum shots was really really good um and i believe that one was a, a little on the longer side too so they yep. could fit yep. more shit in oh, there oh yeah and, that, and that, i'm a big fan of kitchen that. sink songwriting that's, when it comes to metal them, that's them they're, they're uh, like berkeley berkeley school of uh, music right so they are uh, they're all uh, loving that shit great Thanks, Pete. No, I love it. Very happy to help out on that. I appreciate it because I get different levels of engagement, as you can imagine, yes. especially after we've been uh, talking for the last almost three hours here to get that kind of uh, analysis is... Uh, I did that first. I wrote them down. It's like, oh, here's the ones I'm going to pick. Right. And uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate it. I had a feeling you exceeded expectations. Um, I hope, uh, I hope to see you again soon. I think we'll, we'll probably do an AEW pay-per-view one of these days again, like we used to. Yeah. I mean, I'm our... assuming we're going to have, uh, Mr. Punk to deal with in oh, yeah. uh, a few weeks. Or, so. or, and, uh, Danielson, it sounds yeah, like. I mean, we'll, we'll see what actually happens. I but, know, uh, I know. Right before I started this, actually, I saw the most reasonable piece of evidence is that uh, the official Living Color, Color. Uh, yeah. Twitter account liked AEW and then yep. unliked them. Oh, I see. So, hey, 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 yeah, yeah, I haven't unliked them. Yep. So <laughs> I, I think something might be going on there. And if it's just Kenny Omega buying the rights to that song, I'm fine with that too. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much. It's been great. I had a good time chatting about these games that I haven't played in well over 10 years me too man and uh i think you've convinced me to replay three all right so sounds great good on you thanks again dude right. talk to you soon cheers what a thrill with darkness and silence through the night what a thrill I'm searching and I'll melt into you What a fear in my heart But you're so supreme That went longer than usual, but I feel invigorated. I feel like I could go another three hours talking about this series. And guess what? In about a week's time, that's going to happen. Uh, 
because we got to wrap this thing up. As I said, we are, I'm exercising demons here. I'm, I'm getting stuff off my chest. And thank you, Peter. That was awesome. That was great. That was um, exceeded expectations. Um, I, I, boy, trust me, I've had, you know, I've had a lot of great guests here. And, and, you know, some can stick around a little longer than others. And some are happier to stick around longer than others and the fact that you know peter was just full tilt into this just as much as i was and recognized the need to to talk about these things um was was awesome and that was a great start to season two yeah man this has been this is great i'm, I'm so excited to to see where we go next like i said okay so we will be back next week to talk about second half of i guess you can call these like kind of it's weird how they kind of work out into these couple of trilogies there there's an original trilogy and a prequel trilogy technically but it was never kind of designed that way it just kind of works out that way but we this isn't really the prequel trilogy either because we kind of got one part of the prequel trilogy in the first three but now we're going to get the last three and it's going to finish off both of them anyways it's complicated in case you guys if there's one thing i hope you uh you leave with from today's uh today's uh, examination it's it's that these games are uh, complicated they're a little complicated um and that's why it's it's really great to to dissect and uh, thanks again pete so next week uh i'll be joined by colleague and dear friend and probably the best video game player on uh, that I, I've met, um, a guy who knows a lot about the history, Jason O. Um, he's never done podcasts before, but I love talking about video games with him. Um, and when I say he's, he's the best, this is one of those guys who like will brag about, you know, taking the hardest difficulty level on Cuphead and playing Dark Souls, all these games that are like notoriously difficult. He welcomes that challenge. It's like a special kind of torture that uh, certain people have the stomach for and Jason does. But like I said, he also um, knows a lot and I, I miss talking about video games with this guy. So I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Um, I hope you will join us then. Until then, uh, you heard about where to follow us. Follow these other shows on the Palm Podcast Network. Subscribe to Jarvis Washing Machine on YouTube. Oh, and also on YouTube, I want a quick shout out to my buddy Max Mitchell, uh, creative partner, World Peace Pro Wrestling. Give that a look and see what he's doing. Some really interesting things with another video game called Fire Pro Wrestling and this amazing roster that he's put together that's been just as, if not more, um you know worth following for the storylines that that he's stumbling onto and creating as any uh, kind of live action wrestling happening in the world today i recommend looking that up you guys uh so uh, until next time uh when we uh, dig in a little more into the world of snake and big boss and the others um we will uh, be signing off for now um, and like I said, we'll see you guys in about a week. Uh, thanks again for joining us on Yours, Mine, and the Truth.